What's up, movie fans and Netflix bingers? This is the Bros Who Binge podcast. We just had our 100th episode last week. We're on to 101, Lyndon. New phase, kind of, to the Bros Who Binge. We're, you know, still making some adjustments, but last week we came back to movies back in the theaters, and we finally saw the movie to go see in theaters this week, and we're going to talk about it. Tenant, Tenant, we're going to talk about Tenant at the end of the show, but also we had... Your one of your favorite shows, The Boys, come back. How are you feeling about this weekend, bro? I'm hype. I got, I got, I got one word for you. Your mission, if you choose to accept the word that can save you or hurt you, tenant. Or like, I wish I knew exactly what they said. Like, uh, the the, the uh, crow cracks twice at midnight, or whatever the fuck they were saying. There's like the little secret code. Super hype, tenant. Oh man, I can't wait to gush over that movie. But to say that. That was my most anticipated movie going into the year. It did not let me down. My list of Robert Pattinson and John David Washington did not let me down. Like, I am hype. Like, everything we have been talking about on this pod legit came true with Tenet. And then, on top of that, not even, like, Tenet is, like, layer one of the cake. Layer two of the cake is the fact that we got The Boys, which is fucking amazing. Our most anticipated show, at least mine. I think you would say Mandalorian might be yours, but this, uh, but I know you love this show as well, but this was definitely my most anticipated show. Super hyped to talk about it. All I got to say about that is daddy's back, baby. Daddy's fucking back and it's time to go. Yo, just Ryan? Hmm. Oh, whoa, we're getting all of that and some more. Karen Fukuhara, Bay, killing it. Loved her this season. I, look, man, I got so much I want to dive into. Took notes on everything, as well as Lovecraft Country coming through this week. Solid episode. And we're back with the Avatar rewatch, book three. We got a lot to get into with that. But this is a big week, man. Even watch Young Wallander. I definitely recommend it. Okay. Yeah. See, I never got to get the young Wallander. I did say that I would recommend Ted Lasso for people. I've been getting into that uh, movie on the rise is a little bit short for me this week, but I'll be talking about some things that I think you should be checking out. Um, but yeah, man, like we don't have a lot, a lot of news to get into, uh, but it is worth noting, you know, prayers out to our boy, Rob Pat and, and the rock people. And The Rock and, you know, you know, everyone that out there that's been trying to get, get us our movies back and filming and, you know, got, uh, you know, caught some COVID. So Apparently, hopefully everyone word on road ever is ends up that, being okay. Yeah, word on road is that both are like, okay, not showing symptoms. They, they have like the not showing symptoms one or whatever. Word on road about Rob, but they said they're going to be starting the Batman as soon as he's <laughs> healthy. So they, I heard they already just kept on filming. They're just like, I, oh, I, we got other scenes we got to do without him. I, I saw that too. I didn't want to report that because immediately after I saw that, they were like, no, no, don't worry. They shut down because of COVID, but I don't know if they did. <laughs> it's like, you know, uh, I think they said definitely- that to save their ass, but like, I feel, I feel like it's like what you said. We still, yo, Catwoman, you got some scenes to film, girl. Really? You, you got some scenes to film, partner. Uh, look, Colin Farrell, you know all them prosthetics take forever to put on your ass. Let's get this shit done with. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, man, uh, let's not waste too much time. Let's go ahead and uh, jump right into it. Let's go. Uh, 
Uh, first, uh, with a little bit of Star Wars stuff, you know, there's been like a lot of stuff from the actors. You know, Kelly Marie Tran got herself a new role, and then Daisy Ridley came out a few weeks ago saying like, "I'm not getting any roles," which is not true. <laughs> yeah, it's um, not. Her movies just aren't out right now, so she so she hasn't gotten anything new. Like, she got a bunch of stuff after Star Wars. Those movies have not come out yet, like the Tom Holland, Daisy Ridley big movie, the Ridley Scott movie. Like some of those yeah. things have not dropped yet. So I'm, I'm get, I, I guarantee as long as those movies are good, she's going to get fucking. Well, and, and she just got cast as another thing where she is like part of a, a widow group that is trying to assassinate Hitler. Like now you she's see John getting, Boyega on the she, other she's, hand. She's I don't see roles. no news for him. And, and I was upset that everyone was like, oh, what was me? Poor Daisy that she wasn't getting any roles. I'm like, the girl's getting roles. But then John Boyega, on the other hand, you know, dude has a lot of potential to be one of the next big things in Hollywood. And I haven't been hearing his name thrown around too much. And he was recently interviewed talking about his role in Star Wars. And I had to say that I didn't disagree with what he had to, what he had to say. I mean, that's, said, what? that's what we've been saying from, like, not to cut you off, but we've been yeah. saying, we've literally been saying what he said since we saw Return of, it, shit, since Last Jedi. Like early in this pod, yeah. when when Bros Who Binge didn't even exist, and we were talking movies on the BWT pod, and we brought you on to review Last Jedi, we even said then, like, damn, John Boyega yeah. got shafted. He said, "What I would say to Disney is, do not bring out a black character. Market them to be much more important in the franchise than they are, and then have them be pushed to the side. It's not good. I'll say it straight up. They gave all the nuance to Adam Driver and all the nuance to Daisy Ridley. You know, granted." Those two had major roles, but like John Boyega deserved to have just as much of the nuance as they did because he came out and, you know, we were kind of expecting he, a lot more out of his character based on what we saw in The Force Awakens. And then was no he not a marketing? Him. Was he not a marketing tool? Like I mean, that's a good point. I mean, I feel like in a way that he was used as used by Disney as a marketing tool to be like, hey, we got inclusion yeah, and to get the and, black people in. And, and let me be and let's keep it all the way up 100. That every time my dad talks about the new trilogy, he always says the first thing he said was like, damn, they sold me to go watch this movie thinking that this black guy was going to be a Jedi. Then the black guy's not a Jedi. He doesn't get his love interest. Who is the Jedi? And then all he gets is a suicide mission that uh, that the late that the Asian girls gets him from. And then him and this black girl just go on this bullshit ass mission in the last one and nothing. He does really nothing. So, like my dad hates the new trilogy so much because of that. And that's why I say it's a marketing ploy. Like you got, they, whether or not, and I, we will never be able to prove this, but whether or not they did it intentionally with having John Boyega have the lightsaber and show it like that and put it in the promo to where they would get people to get black people to think like, damn, maybe this trilogy has a little more inclusion. It's not just like Lando. Maybe we need to go watch this. I can't argue that because that's, that's what happened. Like that, that is 1000% what happened, whether they meant to do it intentionally or not. You know, you know, Lando was a good example of a, of a person of color that had some really good roles, but I would even go back to the sol- to solo and say that Donald Glover's Lando didn't really get enough enough to do for as important of a character he is now. Will he get more in the te- television realm? That's a different story, and I think that Star Wars television has done an incredible job with it. They you have. know, you know P- Pedro Pascal and uh, you know Ming Ning Carl Weathers, Carl Weathers. You know, so like, you know, they have 
We're about to get been doing really well on television. We're but about to like, get Rosario you know, Dawson. We're about Rosario to, Dawson. You like we're about to get you know, so we're much. We're gonna get Cassie and Andor series. Yeah, but I mean, like, I just don't understand like why the new trilogy didn't do anything with that. And then you know, moving into the what the, what might be to come. You know, the names that are being thrown around, even in a director's standpoint, don't really like throw. Uh, you know, different give me voices. any di- different voices or give me any more excited. What like Benioff and Weiss or what? What kind of track record do they have? Like with and we're gonna get into some Benioff and Weiss shit later. That's just like exactly. Mm, yeah. No, look, man, Star Wars right now. The hype is in television, and granted, we got sure. Taika Waititi writing a movie. I trust that. I like Kevin Feige's working on shit. I like that. And well, we're seeing two, a lot of stuff coming out of that High Republic uh, book and, series and, you know, and some you concept art at, of that. If you just look at those two creators, they're not going to do that. Like, they are mm-hmm. not going to do what the new trilogy did in the sense of market you to think something's one way just to get butts in a seat. They are going to tell a story where all characters who are the main points get fleshed out because... That's what they've done with the MCU. That's what they, Jojo Rabbit, amazing fucking movie. Watch it, by the way. Like, that's what they do. Those dudes are creative directors, creative directors and producers and talents, and they will not let the fans down like Kathleen Kennedy did. I'm not saying JJ, I'm saying Kathleen, because JJ kind of got the short end of the stick, because I think if JJ was able to do all three, I do believe Finn would have been a Jedi. I believe that with my heart and soul. So mainly I'm just on the side of John Boyega here is like, he should have made these statements because they're absolutely true. Oh yeah. You can't be mad at him. And look, John brother, I know shit is tight right now because of tenant. And let me say this. I know shit is tight, but come audition over at Warner bros for that man that lives out in space with the green ring. Come audition. You're going to be going up against my guy, JDW. You might not Jonathan majors. (laughs) JM, yeah, but he's I got I might have Boyega over here. No, nah, I got Jonathan over Boyega, but still, you got up a goal against those two brothers, and JDW stock is super high right now. You might not get it, but who knows? You may get Black Lightning, you may get something cool over in DC. You may get something. I mean, who's gonna play Static Shock? I mean, I guess he's he might be a little too old. Yeah, they're, they're gonna go teenage version with that, but, but that's Black why Lightning I said, would be pretty good. Or, that's or why I said what Black about Lightning. Mr. Terrific? I wouldn't be mad at Mr. Terrific. One of those. Come I to think, DC, brother. I think he'd be a good Mr. Terrific if that was like one of one of the roles that they wanted to, to put, throw him into. Shit, if they want to make him a villain, make him Bronze Tiger. I'd be down. Yeah, why not? <laughs> since since Idris Elba's not Bronze Tiger, might as well throw that out there and just show just showing love to Warner Brothers. They did say that everybody who saw Suicide Squad said this was James Gunn's masterpiece. So you know, gotta gotta wait and see on that on that front. So yeah, man, John Boyega come to DC, but that's that's all I really got on that. Like I said, we've been we've been agreeing with this dude since since the jump. So good, good on him to tell his side of the story. Well, going into you know, you mentioned DC and a comic book property. Another comic adaptation is coming from the guys who put together Project Power from Netflix, Henry Jost and Ari Shulman, who also did Catfish. Uh, they've signed on to direct the sci-fi action thriller Nemesis for Warner Brothers based on a comic series by Mark Millar and uh, Steve McNiven. The story follows an idealistic tech inventor whose world comes crashing down when he is framed for his wife's murder and he discovers the deeply rooted uh, power structure that courses through the most powerful country in the world. 
Amidst his anger and pain, he is recruited by a mass vigilante known as Nemesis, who is determined to take down the corrupt system that has burned him in the same way as it has the protagonist. Fans of the original comic will recall that the premise of Nemesis was about flipping the idea of Batman on its head, with a teaser image for the series posing the question, what if Batman was the Joker? The comic told the tale of a bored billionaire that used his money and resources not to stop and fight crime, but to cause and accelerate it with chaotic explosions, personal manipulation, and death. While the president did play a part in the original original series, which is he's supposed to play a big part in this one, uh, the above log line seems to be taking a different direction. So it doesn't seem to be the same concept of taking Batman and flipping it on his head, but I feel like it's going to have heavy influence. Those elements. Yeah, look, man, that, sound, that sounds hella dope. It, it sounds kind of... How kind of like that Watchmen TV show a little bit to a certain extent, like exposing government corruption. Sounds a little bit about the boys. Like it's just sort of, sounds, yeah. sounds a little bit a lot of like these comics that we love. And look, Ari Schumann coming from Catfish to work with the director of fucking Project well, it's Power. Not, it's not Neve, but it's you know. It's the other it's the camera guy. Yeah. Yeah. Him coming to work with Henry Jost to to make this. Hopefully this is fire. Did Warner Brothers is doing it? Okay, cool, cool. Let's see. How yeah, I mean, I, we we both like Project Power. I thought it was a pretty, not, you know, I wouldn't say the best film in the world, but it was not not badly made. No, it um, wasn't. And, and it's crazy. This, the, the writer of it is about to do direct his own series with uh, Matt Reeves. The guy, Matt Matson Tomlin, who wrote The Batman, is about to do his directorial debut with Matt Reeves producing. They're doing, like, this android... Uh, sci-fi thing i know we don't have it in the notes but it's just crazy that all these project power people are just getting work now that's what happens when you make uh one of the better netflix films of the summer that um, is but true. i'm i'm really interested in this I, I read you know this little synopsis and um nemesis sounds like a really interesting character um to bring into the forefront you know warner brothers doing it you know maybe they're trying to extend their uh their ips beyond dc and i think this might be something that could really turn some heads and hopefully it could get find its way to hbo max at some point as like a series if the movie's good enough so this this is this sure. good all the way around next up we got silk could be the next marvel character to get her own tv series variety has learned from sources that sony which controls the right to Sp- the spider-man universe is developing a live action series centered on silk uh, Lauren Moon is in talks to write like Silk Moon is a Korean American. Her past credits include the Freeform series Good Trouble and the Netflix series Atypical. Phil Lloyd and Chris Miller executive producing Sony Pictures uh, with pa- pa- Amy Pascal. Uh, Lord Miller is under uh, uh yeah, that's pretty much it. But sources say Amazon well, is in talk to acquire yeah. the project along with other Marvel series based on that Sony controls. So Amazon's taking over the Sony TV department. Man, that's the only reason why this story's hot. Because if not, I'd have gave it two thumbs down. But because Amazon, who knows? Maybe this could shake out to be something. But that- I mean, Amazon—that's—that sounds interesting. You know, Lord Miller had their hand in like the Sony verse of of Spider Man, and I feel like you know, Sony if they if they take the same beats that they've taken from like what they've done with Into the Spider Verse and less of what they've done with like Venom. And, you know, moving it into an Amazon realm who Amazon doesn't really want to do bad work, you know, uh, 
Lauren Moon, the the two series that she's accredited on here, Atypical, you know, doesn't necessarily like fit the same mold as, as what we're looking for here, but it's been a successful series. And Good Trouble, I've actually heard, has been a pretty successful freeform series. And it is. Not, so, like, I, you know, I feel like she's a good person to have on here with it, with Lord Miller attached. You know, Silk has a very interesting um, ties to Spider-Man. She's kind of like uh, his, his vice. Yeah, pretty much. In, in a way. She has a cool costume, too. Look, this is it. This is interesting. If this works and, like, Amazon is the TV hub of the Sony Spider-Verse and they can bring their, like, movie people in there, Marvel needs to be concerned just for the fact that how much longer is Tom Holland going to be apart from all of this that's going on over here at Sony? Because I know eventually they will want their Peter Parker to come in here. So, like, if I'm Marvel... I got my I my I got my antennas up on on all of this, but good for good for Silk fans out there, well, you know. Well, I feel like you know, with Silk being like really a more adult character in the Spider Verse, you know, are we gonna get like some serious adult tones to the Spider Man universe? Like, you know, eventually, if they were able to bring, well, I mean, look at Venom, here. look at Venom, look at Morbius. Think they're trying to do Craven the Hunter, Jessica Drew, Spider Woman, like. All of this makes sense for that tone you're talking about. Yeah, so I mean, think you know what the what the boys are able to do on Amazon and put that into like a Spider-Man universe. Like it could be pretty crazy, you know. So the, when I heard that this news was coming out, and especially that I was going to be in, attached to Amazon, it got me really excited for everything that we've been seeing from Amazon recently. I mean, I was even watching like the little trailers to Hannah that they had before the episodes of the boys, and I'm like, that series looks pretty dope. Yeah. So I'm like. So um, I, I'm really excited to hear this news, you know, and just, you know, been I've been really been diving in on learning more about who Silk is. And like the more and more I learn about Silk, I'm like, oh, this could be like, you know, something we've never seen before in the Spider-Man. It's going to be interesting to say the least. So I got my antennas up and I'm, I'm ready to see what they got. Next up, we got Dave, Benioff and Weiss. They're adapting this Chinese author, Louis or Liu Sien's sci-fi trilogy. And if I pronounce your name wrong, I'm super sorry. The Three-Body Problem for Netflix. Brad, P- Brad Pitt and Rosamund Pike and Ryan Johnson are also executive producing. Uh, Sien and Ken Liu who wrote the English translations of the first and third books are also serving as consultant producers. Liu Xian's trilogy is the most ambitious sci-fi fiction series we've read, taking readers on a journey from the 1960s until the end of time, from life on our pale blue dot to the distant fringes of the universe. We look forward to spending the next years of our lives bringing this for audiences around the world to see said Benioff and Weiss. It has, so to, it has to do with like... Uh, Earth's first encounters with aliens. Yeah, and then expanding outward. So, look, they didn't get to do Star Wars. Maybe this is more up their boat. They got stuff that's already written out for them, so all they got to do is just follow it to the T. So maybe like it'll be Game good. Of Thrones. <laughs> maybe it'll be good if they follow this, this shit to the T and not have to go off on their own, because we see when they have to go off on their own, that's why they have problems. Look at well, and, Game of Thrones and, if- and Star Wars with no source material. And if they stray too far, you know, they got the authors there that are, you know, consulting producers. You know, I actually trust Ryan Johnson in a lot of ways, you know, as many of other I trust Brad Pitt. That's blaspheme. And I trust Brad Pitt as well. So, like, if (laughs) if these guys are going to, like, attach their names to this, they don't have to do. 
Yeah, so. look, Brad Brad Pitt hasn't done anything wrong in a long time. If you look at his producing credits, he's been killing it. So, like you said, Ryan Johnson, I I trust him to a certain extent, but Brad Pitt, he's not putting his name on trash. So, Benny Off and Weiss, they'll be they'll be held together. Plus, that Netflix deal is huge. Netflix not about to let them put out some some garbage. So, we'll see what, what's up with that. But that's all Facts. I got on that. Um, so this was kind of an interesting story that came out this week. Over the past few years, Marisol Nichols has been juggling the demands of being an actor on Riverdale with a side gig as an undercover agent in a fight against sex trafficking. She revealed that for the past six years, she's been hunting child sex predators. She has been working undercover with agents from the FBI. Talking about real life? Yes. Operation Underground Railroad and local law enforcement to serve as the bait for sting operations and domestically and internationally. She has played a part in parent pimping out of a child or depending on what the situation calls for, the role of a child being pimped out to a guy who thinks he is about to have sex with a 12-year-old. Nichols has participated in numerous child sex things around the world the last few years. Her story as a Hollywood vigilante is now being adapted for the small screen. Sony Pictures Television is in early stages of development for to, uh, to tell her story. Oh, damn, I wish it wasn't Sony, but damn, that's a that's a movie in waiting. What the hell? That's crazy. You know, good on her for like not only fighting, you know, fighting the good know, fight, fighting the good fight out there, but you know, doing it all <laughs> while she's been acting on Riverdale. She's supposed to be in the new uh, Saw um, adaptation, Spiral. So I mean, Wait, she's been out here okay. acting and also. Uh, been been helping the FBI for child sex trafficking. Things. And look, she may get like she may get to benefit like from not only is she helping people, that's the ultimate benefit of what she's doing and changing the world, but like she'll be able to benefit financially, which is a plus. <laughs> like all the all those late nights of just stress that that woman probably went through for these past couple of years on all fronts as a child posing, as a parent po- like all that undercover shit. And now she gets to make a little money off of it. Let's go, girl. I'm with you. I think it's a really interesting story. Like, you know, it's great. I want to see how this all plays out. And, oh yeah, I'm gonna uh, watch think, it. Yeah, so I'm interested to see um, more as this gets developed on how they're gonna do this. Um, they're they're expecting to see her, of course, executive produce, but likely also star in the story. Interesting. Now, see, I don't know if I want her to star, but like, you know, I don't know that about that either, but. Also, she could not. She might not star as herself. Yeah, she, she could like not star as like someone in the FBI or something like that. Yeah, some some like that. Let let let's let's make this a good series, baby girl. And let's get you some fatty. <laughs> like this, your story's too good. Like let's get some. Let's get Amy Adams to play you or some shit. Like <laughs> let's make it Liddy. <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was a really crazy story. Like let, let's see this happen, and good on her for for being in this FBI sting because we've seen a lot of. Uh, child traffickers get down and go down here recently, so that's great. Big facts. Ghislaine's still alive, so you know that shit's that shit's happening. But mm-hmm. word, I'm down to see this. All right, but the next story I have is you know shout out to our boy from the boys, Jack Quaid. He's shout gonna get Jack cast Quaid, in, man, and and Scream Five. So hopefully, Jack Quaid getting some more bag. Hopefully his career takes off because I like him as an actor. Like he we, he didn't make our list, but like. Jack Quaid could be one of those dudes who can do action, can do comedy. I could see Jack Quaid having a pretty nice career in Hollywood. So good, good for him getting Scream 5. Another guy that we like, Alan Richson from, you may know him as from Blue Mountain State or more recently, Titans as Hulk has been cast in Amazon's rendition 
of Jack Reacher. Yes, the Tom Cruise series, Jack Reacher, is getting a television show. They're going to base it more on the Lee Child's best-selling book and more so than the movies. And Richson will take on the role from uh, Tom Cruise. The thing is, however, unlike Tom Cruise, Richmond is 6'2", which is a lot closer to Reacher's description of 6'5", and he's more imposing. But this lets people know it might not be too much more Alan Richson on, on Titans, especially seeing where Titans is going to Gotham and then seeing how we're going to get Red Hood, Barbara Gordon, a lot of new characters, Hawk and Dove probably getting written out. <laughs> it's, it's probably about to be the bad kids and their, and their homies doing shit in Gotham. That's what now, Titans seems like to me. Uh- a little side conversation on what's going on here with, you know, in regards to Titans. I've seen a lot of people give a lot, some backlash to it being like, this seems like it's becoming a Bat-verse show. And I mean, maybe it is. It but seems I feel, that way. I feel like that has more to do with what this season entails. Because, like, last season, I don't really feel like it had too much to do with Bat-verse. Like, you know, he had Deathstroke, but I mean, that doesn't necessarily... I mean, De- Deathstroke villain. is the Titans villain. Yeah. So, like, and, and before that, it had to do with Raven. With Raven so, like, yeah. this is more of the bad story and then maybe and, and even the starfire story so i don't know yeah. like why they're why they're getting too uh cri- critical on that but it's i just, could we see gotta, we gotta see what's up with beast boy man and Superboy. like they they need to if they really want it but see i think it's going to determine on how well this season is where we get two shows out of titans we get a young justice live action which is beast boy Superboy, raven whoever else they want to throw in there. And then we get like the Nightwing show, which is like all the bad family people in Nightwing doing his thug thizzle. You could even throw Tim Drake in this, uh, in this uh, Young Justice show. I was thinking show. the Young Justice show because you would have need a, you need a Robin. I feel like you would throw in a Tim they Drake. Yeah, throw in a Tim Drake in there, but it is, but like the writing is on the wall for Hawk and Dove and good on Alan Richardson to, to cash out on his stock while it's high because he did an incredible, like if you go back to first season of Titans, Arguably the best one. Arguably. Arguably, yeah. Him, him or Brendan Thwaites is, is, is Nightwing. With, and you got Corey in a, in a close, like, third. Like, no, I, mean, I, I think, the I think he did well as Hawk. And, you know, a lot of people know him iconically as his character in Blue Mountain State. Yeah. Um, but this is a good opportunity for him to really kind of step into a role of his own and, and really kind of, like, establish himself as a more serious action actor. What we've seen from Amazon with Jack Ryan, you're you're kind of getting the same kind of show with, uh, with Jack Reacher. But more, um, but more actiony though. That's the thing. Jack Ryan's an analyst. This dude's like CIA going to be fighting, cracking necks, shooting guns, doing his thing. So we're going to see, but good for Alan Richard, but that's all the news we have this week. Let's get into the movie on the rise. Schubert, what are you suggesting out there for the peeps to check out? Uh, I think that, you know, there's some good, there's some stuff on Netflix that we've talked about before that I think is worth going into, you know, Cobra Kai now is on Netflix. Now it's something I'm really looking forward to getting into. And then of course, something that Linda's mentioned numerous times on the show, promise Neverland is on on sub and dubbed on Netflix make sure you get it. You watch that season before it gets on to Amazon as a live action because it's worth it. Yeah, no good, good show. Forgot that that's on Netflix. Now Um, I'm going to suggest something in the YouTube department. If you are a fan of Batman, the animated series, Warner brothers pictures has put on a documentary about the entire Batman, the animated series. It's like an hour and 40 minutes. 
if you love that series, it is very, very worthwhile to watch. And I started it like last night. I'm like 40 minutes in. I'm going to finish it up tonight. But it is so good. You get to learn the backstories between everybody, how the show came together and everything. And being a big fan of Batman, the animated series. And there's nothing really else new this week. Everything else dropped last week. I was like, let me show, let me show some love to that little documentary on YouTube. So just type in Batman the Animated Series on YouTube documentary and you'll find it. It's by Warner Brothers Pictures. It's official. So don't go click on someone's fan-made doc. <laughs> like, I'm sure those are out there as well, but I'm talking about the official one. But other than that, that's all I really got. No new anime is really anything. Like, nothing's really popping out right now. Everything, yeah. everything popped off last week. Now, I am kind of mad at, at the movie studios because you guys know you have those movies in the can and people are going to theater, so let's spit them things out. <laughs> mm. Well, Dune's going to be here. Oh, in December. Like, yeah, come on. Just, you know, we, we, got, we got Wonder Woman we got to watch. Like, come on. Come on. Time yeah. is running out. Black Widow. Yeah. I, I, but I think everybody's trying to see how well Tenant does in its run, which people are predicting is going to make I mean, $500 million. I mean, shoot, people went out to go see New Mutants. Like, people are going to go out and see New I Mutants. Did. and Yeah. Also, let me say this. <laughs> Wednesday, we're going to get the Dune trailer. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah, you saw it. You saw it in I the, saw the teaser, I missed it. but they said we're going to see the full one. Like, the teaser mm. was just some shot. Like, the full one I'm looking forward to. Hopefully, we'll get that Wednesday. But let's get into the reviews. It's time for the reviews. Schubert, where are we going first? Are we doing Avatar, Avatar first? Avatar, yeah. To knock Avatar that out? first, yeah. All right. The crazy thing is... Two of those episodes are filler. Uh, what? Which ones do you consider filler? All right, let me. All right. The painting lady, I think for sure we can agree is filler. Filler. The one before that, too. I the actually school. really like that episode. The Kuzan episode. I actually really enjoy that episode. Look, I think it's it's filler it, though. Now, is it super important to the story? No. Maybe not. But it does make a lot of sense for like Aang as an avatar trying to instill at least some bits of freedom into the Fire Nation that doesn't necessarily, it's almost like he's laying in the groundwork for like what the Fire Nation should be post him yeah. saving them. So like I feel like in that and way, it lets it's sort him of learn that, that all fire, it, it also, this episode is important for the for humanizes the, the Fire Nation. Yeah, it's important for the decision that he'll make later on not to kill Ozai instead of taking his benders because. Through what he learns through Roku's story with Sozin and through his connection with Zuko and through moments like these shows that not all Fire Lord, Fire Nation people are evil, quote unquote. There's gray area in there. That That's why it's important. But other than that, that shit is filler. And the painted lady, that's just Katara healing niggas. So that's all that is. We don't have to talk about those two. Uh, however, the awakening, we see Zuko and Aang's positions flip. From season one to two, book one to two, Aang is the hero. Everywhere he's regarded, it's the Avatar. All hail the Avatar. Zuko is the outcast running from his father to regain his honor. They eat, Aang even says it. I'm not doing this because I failed. I'm doing this because I'm embarrassed and I need to regain my honor. He then meets the moon spirit who tells him, bro, you're fucking up. Roku's telling him you're fucking up. You didn't fail. You can still do this. He wind surfs, which is, or he, he water surfs, wind surfs, whatever, gets the hell out of there. Zuko, on the other hand, is like coming back as a hero, but a faux hero because his sister knows she didn't kill the Avatar, at least feels she didn't. And she doesn't want to take credit for that if she fails. She wants to put that on Zuko, but Zuko's accepted back. And this is a plan to where if the if the avatar works out, cool Zuko's back. 
I can turn on him later. If it doesn't, then cool. Zuko is, is fucked up anyway. I can still take over. And we see Mark Hamill's Fire Lord Ozai face-to-face for the first time in this episode with him and Zuko's conversation. But that's pretty much that. all that happens in The Awakening. Oh, also, sure. Katara, Katara has a moment with her father where she's like, why'd you leave me, Dad? Why'd you and, leave and, us? And we find that Katara used that uh, water, yeah. special water to there's save no more spe- Yeah, there's no more So there's no more water. special water. Yeah. And the one thing I will add that kind of mixes in with Zuko's story from The Awakening and also into the headband, which is why I also feel like the headband is a little bit important, is that Zuko goes to meet his uncle in the prison and we start to see that he's like, you know, as much as he's come into this new life in the Fire Nation, he, can't let he it needs go. his uncle. Yeah. And his uncle is an important uh, figure in his life in order to someone that he can actually trust and talk to. Because he doesn't trust anyone that he's with now. He has all this power, but he doesn't trust his father. He doesn't trust his sister. He yeah. may trust May a little bit, but even but that's then... That's because his girl. He don't, he that's because his girl. Yeah, he but won't like, tell her like anything like crazy. But like, like his, you know, losing his connection to Uncle Iroh, and you even see Uncle Iroh's uh, reactions to it as well. Um, you know, he's having to shun Zuka because in a way he's trying to make this another Tough lesson love. Like, bro, you got to like, I love you, Zuko, but you did. You didn't follow the way you didn't. You didn't. You didn't do what was right. So I'm not going to give in to you and let you have your cake and eat it, too. You need to go. This is your choice. Live with it, partner. Not, and then we could change something if you want to change something. But for right now, you got to live in this mess. Like we said about headband, we already talked about the importance of that. Painted lady, there's no importance of zero. It's literally just Katara healing people, thinking she's special. And then, but number four, Sokka's master. Sokka feels he's not contributing enough to the group. He needs a new weapon. He meets a mysterious master who then trains him, gives him this a black obsidian sword. We then find that the master is a member of the White Lotus. Yes, now we have been foreshadowed in book one. Boomy White Lotus. Um, what's ja- what's ja- Jaco? Yeah. What's his name? Jaku or what? The Fire what Nation it? bender from. From one, yeah. whatever his name, but Jong Jer- Jong, oh, it's Jong Jong. No, not Jirai. Jirai's not Naruto. Jong Jong, Jong oh, Jong's yeah, ass, <laughs> White Lotus. At the end of season one, we meet Paku, who is the Waterbender White Lotus, mm. and Uncle Iroh White Lotus. This is the gang of all these old people who believe a way of life that transcend nations, and we even see that that's expressed by the fact that on his door, the fire, the fire Nation symbol's in the middle, but around it is the White Lotus, signifying that, yes, I'm Fire Nation, but my White Lotus in gold determines my outcome, determines, like, my loyalties more so than the Fire Nation. I just thought that was cool. And Sokka gets a no. new sword. Going back to Uncle Iroh's journey in oh, this book as well. He's working out too, and he's working out in, yeah, in prison. Like, oh. You you see that he's you know he may he may act like he's in prison, but he has a plan. Yeah, so we know Iroh's that's what's coming up. Streets. I, and that's I, I, I was getting that jail workout going on. And that's really all that comes in these first four episodes. I think at some point we're going to need to do five episodes that may be coming in the next few weeks because we're you know just on how this uh, measures out. But oh, some other stuff. They all, the, the world thinks Aang is dead. Yeah. Uh, world thinks also, Aang is dead, their is- plan is now not to include the earth kingdom. Cause, the, cause Bossing say fell. They're going to, they're going to do a ragtag group of all their allies to fight on invasion day. And we're going to have to see if that works out, but Aang still has to learn firebending. Also, 
Zuko hires an assassin to come after the gang. We've come to know his oh, name yeah. as Sparky Sparky Boom Man later down the line. But don't let that name fool you. This is one of the strongest people in the show. Exactly. Yeah, he's he's scary. He's imposing. Yeah. So that that's that's our Avatar rewatch. We've started again. We're in book three. All right. Where are we going from here? Because like. Lovecraft. All right. Ooh, all right. Perfect. Good, good call. And that's not saying Lovecraft was bad because it was, it was great this week. I would say that this week wasn't a journey. This wasn't Journey Smollett Bell dominating the screen this week. I'd say no. this week was more so. She had some my, good moments. She had some good moments. And I don't even think this was Jonathan Majors' week. I don't think Jonathan Majors has had a week yet. I think this was Michael K. Williams' week. I think this was Michael K. Williams' week, uh, Jonathan Majors' father, where. We see his ties with the Book of Adam. He had one. He destroyed it. Tick's not his son, or it, or Tick may be for his brother. Like I don't know who Tick is for, but Tick may be for his brother, or or Tick may be for like some white guy. Who knows? Like I don't know who Tick is for, because if Montrose has the blood, and his his brother should have had the blood too, but they were trying to treat it like his brother didn't. And if his brother's Tick's dad, then. His brother had the, the blood too, so no. I mean, Tick got the blood from his mom. Oh, Tick got it from his mom. Yeah, oh. but we don't know who his dad is for real because uh, like. Okay, I was confused. Good thing we're we're here doing this together because I was like, what if if Montrose? Yeah, the mom's the descendant. Yeah, if Montrose is doing all this Book of Adam shit, and Tick's not his son. Okay, makes sense. Makes sense. Okay, so boom, Montrose destroys the book. He's Tick's not his son, but in he's he's freaking out about that. He's drinking, having a rough time. We see uh, Montrose's brother and his wife is still just being nosy. Like she she just can't let it go. She's gonna die, bro. Here, She's gonna die. Like some 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 things before we get to like let's say you know before we get to the car and them leaving, you know. Uh, White lady comes up to the porch. She can't get into the house, which is notable. Yeah, because they said due to that stuff. Yeah, that due to the voodoo. Crazy white lady, which is crazy. <laughs> so she can't come in. You know, let's. Uh, Letty pretty much figures out like that. You know, she's in. In she's here, and she gets. She goes to Tick in the library, and Tick's like, I, I got to figure out like you know what's going on here. Like, got to try and save you. <laughs> You gotta try and you gotta try and save all of y'all because I and we gotta try and get these scrolls or the information that Hiram had so we can uh, read so, so we, we can, can try and cast spells, learn spells, cast yeah. spells, and stuff like that. So we can cast um, spells so we can save our people so we can defend ourselves. That's their um, that's their reasoning. Side note to Letty's sister, she tries to go to that department store to get jobs. She, she will die too. <laughs> so, but she has more to do a little bit later on. <laughs> She's uh, gonna, bro. Wait. Can we get her out the way? Are we sure? I'm asking you, if you are with a young lady and you get this young lady halfway naked and you see on this young lady's chest that there is a circle in demon horns branded into this young woman's chest, are you continuing said adventure with young woman? What are you talking about? Are you talking about the... When Letty was getting with that white guy from the bar, and they're getting undressed, about to have their sex scene. I mean, not Letty, Letty's sister, about to have yeah. their sex scene, and we see on the chest. Yes, yeah, he you, has okay, it. You, you're making it sound like she had, it, and I was like, no, no it was dude, he, dude had. He this had I'm just saying, if you were her, and I, I just used it to where. Oh, well, she was yet. drunk. 
She was clowning. <laughs> you should have got out of there. And then, then we're going to act like we're not in the 60s. Like, are we sure a black woman would have got with that white guy? <laughs> you know, all sketchy in a black person bar. But she was well, desperate. He had, he had been there before. True. Because he got, you know, uh, uh, Tick's dad. And and he, she was desperate because she didn't get her job. That's she why felt, I mentioned the job. Yeah. She was... So. Um, and, and, but it did sound like in the conversation that she, it's not the first time that, you know, a white guy has come up to try and like, yeah, you to know, get with her and change her life. Just yeah. for the, just for the, in that time I could see it for the novelty or, or whatever. So like, it wasn't something that was completely out of the question. True. So like, I, I could see where like that but was the demon thing, horn but, like, thing is that's what yeah. gets me. It's like, girl, you should have got out of there. You, but I'm clown. interested to see what comes to more with that because obviously oh. she's going to. Can, all right, I guess we'll talk about this. No, we're gonna talk about it right now, just because in the preview we'll get to Tick's story and what happened with him, Letty, in the in the in a little bit, because that's the main chunk. But just to to cap off Letty's sister, in the preview they show her and they go capture that woman from the store, but then we see a white lady in an outfit. Now I got two I I got two theories. Does let does Letty's sister take over that black girl's body? who's working at the store, thus getting her the store job? Or does Letty's sister take over that white lady's body so she can go to them parties but still bang the white dude and he won't have no issues? That lady's taking somebody's body. They're doing some sort of body switching. But that's all I got to say on that because that's her story pretty much ends with her having sex with white lady's brother or white lady's cousin, whoever that guy is, looking like one of the T one, looking like a T one thousand with his all blonde hair, looking like a fucking Terminator. <laughs> like well, fuck that guy. But all right, let's get to Tick and Tick in uh, Tick Montrose and Letty. So well, they, the one other thing I want to say to that too is like you know white lady whatever Christine Braithwaite Christine, I think her yeah, name is Christina Braithwaite. And, and so she goes to meet up with the sheriff and we find out that like yeah, they got some other the, there's lodges. There's, like, uh, there's other different like sections of this whole thing. So there's more to find out with that. We learn a little bit that from Michael K. Williams, too, that there's 34. Yeah, there's like 34 lodges. It's like they're like the clan. <laughs> yeah, pretty much like they're the clan. And but also that she is still on her own different kind of come up because she's a woman. Yeah. So she's women like, aren't allowed in. Yeah. yeah so like the, she's doing her own sort of thing. And the only and reason her, why uh, she's powerful is because she's from the startup family, but she really has no say in all of this. So she's, she's trying to woman. make her way on her own in, in a sort of way. So that's, why, that's why I feel she like had she's that conversation with Letty and all of them. Exactly. But that's, but that's why she had that conversation with Letty. She was like, don't let these men just dictate what you want to do. Like, we need to make our own claim, which exactly, which I mean, she's right. But uh, so, all right. So let's and, get to Tick, Letty and, and Montrose. Unless you have anything else on just uh, the the solar system that they took out of the house. That's going to have some, something to do more later. And I feel like that's why uh, Hippolyta is, you know, all wrapped up in like. You know, wanting to she's learn, gonna get, die. get answers, and she's gonna die. So <laughs> she is, she is going to die, bro. And so I, after, 
she should Letty. just live. She just live her life. Like, we'll, but we'll talk about her in a sec. She just needs to live her fucking life. She goes so, with them to Boston. Like, why? Exactly. Dumb. Why? Why? And then also, they, they take that dude who said he lied Tree. about banging Letty in high school. Like, that dude was just there for some comic relief. But basically, well, and also to like drop the Michael K. William or Montrose is gay bomb. Yeah, but, I mean. But when we got into that bar or whatever, and like they're sitting in the bar talking about like uh, you know the stuff that he knows and and he may be you know, bi, eventually. but he definitely he definitely likes men as well as women. Yeah, I think he's well, the, I, when when that scene was happening and they were sitting there, I was like, you know what? Like I feel like they didn't they didn't dis, disgar- they, I feel like they didn't show us that the bartender was gay for no reason. Yeah, true. you know what I'm saying. Like I, that was when it started to hit me. I was like, oh, I feel like there might be something going on here. And then they try and like. Like you know, give it to the illusion that maybe he gave that security guard a blowjob. Yeah, the, they did. The museum. Yeah. So or they had relations in the past because they're friends. But yeah, so Montrose gets him in to the to the museum. They're looking for the cave of uh, I guess Titus Titus Braithwaite. Titus Braithwaite. Yeah, to go and find out. Luckily, it's the same cave that is at the bottom of their house in Chicago. So this cave goes from Boston to which fucking was crazy. Chicago. And it's not, some, it's not something. And, 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 and how did they get to that? Like, are we sure they would have got to that elevator that fast? <laughs> oh, well, there's a lot of are we sure with all that. Like, <laughs> yeah. are we sure they could breathe underwater for that long? Yeah. Especially when struggling. From Chicago? Um, to, to Boston, there's this whole underground tunnel shit, and they get to Chicago like that, <laughs> like, like that. But anyway, this is the most that's Indiana, magic, bro. Yeah, true. That you just throw it up to magic. But this is to me, this is the one J.J. Abrams had the most work on. This is the most one, like a Spielberg Indiana Jones movie. You get a little Raiders of the Lost Ark, Moonlight hitting Moonlight, give yeah. showing you where the key is. Yep, they got to, like, go through, put their hand in. The blood takes it. It goes up through the railing and then drops down a thing. And they find the Tomb of Titus. They 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 go through all the booby traps, which is the one when they were walking on that plank. Are we sure they would have made it over that? They would have jumped on that plank and Letty wasn't dead. Like, when, when, when Michael K. Williams jumps to the plank, you think he made it on that plank fully square? Are we sure? No, I don't know about all that. <laughs> and when Letty crossed that blade, are we sure she didn't get sliced? Like, there's so many are we sure with this episode, but we just let it slide. But, but yeah, so like that that whole deal with them going through the cave, you know, felt very Indiana Jones, felt very Goonies with the booby trap stuff and like them having to like punch in the right code and all that. Um, and then I, they get to the, the ship or the hub of Titus Braithwaite, and we see all these skeletons. All these also, it felt bones. like a scene from Goonies with and, felt and like Raiders. the ending scene in Goonies. Yeah. Um, like and that the was, zombies that was crazy. Like, no, it felt like Raiders, too, like 1,000. They walk and one in. thing I was thinking about is that you walk in, you see all these bones of, like, you know, a Native American tribe almost looks like. And, the, and I remember going into, like, the museum scene and the and the – the tour guy is like, yeah, you know, Titus Braithwaite was, he came, when he came to America, he showed all the Native Americans about technology and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he showed mm. them technology to it's, their deaths. Enslaved them, that fucker. So he, we then get to this lady who's holding this scroll, the words of Adam, and they go to grab it. Tick goes to grab it. This lady comes back to life. But it's not just a lady. It's a lady and a man all in one body. It's, it's two spirits in one. We even see its cock and balls. They show they show everything. And fucking so 
they're talking to this lady's talking this own language only Tick can understand and they're having a conversation. Titus brought her over and then was like, yeah, you got to work for me. She's like, I want my family. He killed all her family, brought him in. She he turned her into a siren to where if anybody if she escapes the tomb, she can't speak. But she she agrees to go with them to try to help them uh uh, dive, transcribe, yeah, transcribe scrolls. the the scrolls in the in the uh, book of Adam. They then escape. They get to that elevator under Letty's house. Meanwhile, all those white dudes who died are somewhere floating in the cave. They're done for, so we don't have to worry about that. That that to me that was like answers are are we sure of last week? Like, are we sure they would have got away with it? Oh yeah, they got away with it. So it doesn't fucking matter. Those people are long gone. And then in Boston, this the uh, the lady goes back to the house with them. She's chilling. Montrose goes check on her after she after Tick's like, yeah, we'll teach her English. She's willing to help. Like, we're going to get this done. Montrose takes a blade to her, slices her throat, kills her. And the episode what ends. An what an I ending. I was like, whoa. Montrose, like, so, Michael K. Williams, clowning. I'm so confused about, like, where he stands in all this. Because, like, like we said, I don't feel like he's Tick's dad. I and, feel like, like he has hatred in his heart for Tick because of that. I feel like he does too. Like I feel like that's why I didn't want to tell him the information. Like he loves like, him, but at the same time, he doesn't. Like I feel like he hates him. Like or that's just why, like or or resents the whole fact that he has to like deal with him in his life or like yeah, like that or something that, like that. That he's his burden when he's not really even his son. Like some shit like that. Yeah, it's it's some weird shit going on with Michael K. Williams that I yeah. that, that got to get explained, but. And Man. and the other ending thing, like like we said earlier on, and like Hipp- Hippolyta going, turning around, going over oh, yeah, to that's uh, the Devin County, <laughs> and her yeah. taking her daughter, her daughter, bro. Literally on the map, there's a fucking uh, Grim Reaper, Grim Reaper on the map, and it says, "Do not go here." Yet you're gonna take your daughter there to get answers about your husband when he's dead, bitch. You is out, yo. You're gonna die. You're going to die. She's an idiot. That, that's another are we sure? Are you sure you would do that? Because I would not. I would just be like, damn, my wife is dead. <laughs> Gotta move on with my life. I wouldn't even fuck with taking them anymore. I'd be like, no, nigga, y'all can't take my fucking car. I'm not fucking with y'all. Like, I, I might move to California. Like, fuck them. Like, I'm not, I'm not dealing with that shit. But she's still dealing with it. So we're gonna have But to it see. also goes to like what she's been exploring with that, uh, that solar system thing that uh, Christina Braithwaite's been, been after. What does that have to do with everything? Wait till she I finds like, out who got it. You know, <laughs> when, when we learn, when we uh, see them in the museum, there's a whole scene about her naming a comet. She knows a lot about astronomy. So like, I feel like she's going to have some sort of knowledge base to answering some question later on. We'll she's gonna answer one thing later. and then she's dead. And die. Yeah, that's she she got death flags written all around her. So we'll see. See, when, when they brought Tree along on the ride, I thought he was gonna like be Oh, he's gonna die too. Die. He, gonna, he, like, he might die next episode. You gotta bring he, him in to, to when he to, got into the car. I was like, oh, this dude's fodder. Like, yeah, he's he, dying. He he's gonna die. I think he's gonna die probably within two episodes. I got Hippolyta dying definitely by season finale. And Depending on Letty's sister, if she gets transformed into a white woman or a black woman, depends on where she's going for the rest of this season. But she might die, too. Although I feel like that white guy has an infatuation, whether or not it's a sacrifice or what. We're going to find out with all that. But that's all that's going on with Lovecraft. Where are we going? We're going to the boys or we're going to Tenet? Where are we going? We're going to the boys. Uh, we, so that was, that was the fourth episode of Lovecraft. We got six more. Bet. 
Bet. All right, let's get to the boys. All right, before we break down each episode, the boys ended with... See, I didn't remember that Huey and Frenchie and Mother's Milk got... Oh, and the woman, because that's that's Karen. I'm going to just call her Karen Fugahara. Oh, no, Kimiko. And Kimiko, Kimiko. Got, got stranded, left for dead by the butcher, and they had to escape, and they had beef with the butcher because the butcher left them. Forgot all about yeah. that. Also forgot... That uh, what you call the stuff with A Train? Forgot that A Train got w- killed, Pop Claw. Then he got his ass whooped. But fucking, um, fucking Starlight and uh, what's what's our guy's name? Huey saved him. Although Starlight did beat his ass too. So at the same time, they saved him, but they beat his ass. But and he was in the ICU. So that's what happened last season. Also. The butcher sees that Homelander and his wife have a kid. And yeah. The butcher, and, that's pretty much And that. Homelander killed uh, Homegirl. Oh, yeah, the director of Vaught. The director of Vaught and blamed it on the butcher. Blamed it on the butcher. Also, Compound V, people are starting create to superheroes. know about it. Yeah, create superheroes. So that's pretty much where we left off. So episode one, they started working for the military, Vaught. Because that's what Homelander wanted. Homelander is seemingly at first running things without Giancarlo, but Giancarlo comes in very soon to uh to uh, put him in his place. Put him in his place. Be like, yeah. Be like, I- I'm running this. I'm not afraid of you. Pretty much. The boys are wanted. Huey, uh, Mother's Milk, and Frenchie and Kimiko are living out of Frenchie's gang's little hub under a comic book shop. Huey and Starlight are still trying to get proof of Vault's evilness. And when they were in the subway, man, I was just like, damn, Huey, you still love her. But this girl don't have no love for you in her heart. She is through with your ass because she trust lied. Him. She's hanging out with Alden Aaron Reich. Like, out of all the people to pick, she chose him. Like, Jesus, Huey. My I was like, goodness. I was like, you go solo. <laughs> I knew you would have appreciated that. And then also, I, I was it a shot at Anzel Elgort? Like, <laughs> I feel like they threw sort of, yeah. I feel like they threw a little shot at him, but rightfully so. Also, Huey's the only one that has the mission right now, man. He, Mother's Milk is fed up with all this shit. Frenchie don't give a fuck. And Huey's the only one still chasing that mission. And the life star, uh, okay, yeah. Huey and Starlight are both depressed because Huey only has the mission. He has no, he doesn't have his wife. He doesn't have Robin. He doesn't have his father. All he has is this mission that the butcher gave him. And Starlight, the life she thought she wanted is a complete lie. She's doing everything that she hated. She's wearing the costume she hated. She's doing all this press and working for Vaught, and it's not what she want, thought it was going to be. Yeah. Also, uh, The Deep, he is having his own sort of issues over in Sandusky. He gets approached by um, the Eagle um, and this church organization that's trying to get him um, almost rehabbed back into being a, a superhero for the Seven. Yep, true, 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 true. That but they have their, yeah. they, I feel, but they, I think they have their own insidious thing going on. Yeah, and that might, later that might on be a we kind of get a little bit of a hint deal. at that. That might be a season three type deal. Yeah, I wrote, I wrote down the deep chilling with Eagle the Archer. <laughs> just, just chilling, just, just chilling with the Eagle the Archer. Also, uh, the Stormfront, the Stormfront intro scene, hilarious. Ooh. The IG live where she's like. Oh, all this shit is fake. This guy, you saw him in another commercial. It's just like, all right, they're letting the foundation that this bitch does what she wants. And I'm saying bitch because she's a bad bitch. She does what she wants. And we find out later More how bad Starfront yeah. is. But that's just the intro. It's like, oh, damn, this lady's crazy. So 
they uh get they get information of a terrorist coming into the coming into the uh coming into New Jersey. The boys do M- minus Butcher. Butcher's not there yet. They call Butcher's CIA lady contact. They give her the stuff. The CIA lady's like, "Oh shit, this matches with this. This matches with this. Oh no, I put together the puzzle. It's bow head explodes. Boom! Right as she's about to tell the boys what's going on." Head explodes. Everybody's like, what the fuck? Let's dip. Let's dip. And Mother's Milk's like, if it was intended for us, they'd have killed us by now. So it wasn't intended for us. And and Frenchie had throughout the whole episode is like, should we call Monsieur uh Chacoucherte or should we just call the butcher? And every time they're like, no, no. And at this point, Frenchie couldn't take it anymore. But give me, give me a sec before we get to that. Giancarlo stand in Homelander's conversation in episode one where he puts him in his place. Bad ass. Giancarlo's like, bruh, I don't give a fuck. What you think this is? We are a pharmaceutical company that's hiding our pharmaceutical, a.k.a. Compound V. You are just a, a, a distraction. Distraction. Yeah. You are, yeah, you're just a distraction and a way for us to make a little bit of money. But you're not even our main income, partner. We can do without you. So never forget that you are a luxury and the icing on the cake of this company. You aren't the main meat and butter. So I don't give a fuck what you say. I'm running this, and you could just go sit your ass down. A few few things we haven't mentioned yet. Um, Black Noir opened up early in that episode, kicking some ass. Turns out he's a Deadpool and Batman combo because he has regeneration. He's he's, He's Deadpool who doesn't talk. And I'm glad you mentioned regeneration because we are introduced to Gecko in this first episode, and he is pretty much doing, like, the SM, SM, SMM. Yeah, he's like, basically you know, a, a... People chop off his limbs or his dick yeah. or whatever, and he regenerates it. But he's working in, like, the, the shallows of Vought as, like, a test subject. And, that and you know, uh, Starlight goes to him to blackmail him, essentially, yeah, to into compound getting compound v. v for her. Yep. Which okay. is important. Also, they mention... Um, in Giancarlo Esposito's conversation with Homelander, and they discuss the creator of Vault being a former Nazi and creating Compound V, and then America gets Compound V and gives it to Soldier Boy, who is, quote-unquote, the first hero, a.k.a. the Captain America ripoff. Let me say this. It has been announced, just keep on the lookout for this season of all mentions of Soldier Boy, because it has been announced that Jensen Ackles from Supernatural is coming in next season as Soldier Boy. And they're also mentioned, and I, this is gonna. This was in episode three, I think, and but it's really brief, so it's like not. We can just mention it right now. But uh, the C, the CIA lady mentions Liberty as an older superhero. I feel like that may have something to do with the with, Sol- with the Soldier Boy and Jensen Ackles. Yeah, so Jensen Ackles will be in season three. Just look for all mentions of Soldier Boy. But the episode episode one ends with the iconic line: "Daddy's home, bitches. I'm back." Billy Butcher is back with the boys, and Huey's pissed. You, you ain't doing too good with Billy. Billy not doing too good with Huey, but everybody else is happy that Billy's here, except Kimiko. Kimiko's like, fuck you, Butcher. I don't fuck with you. So that's the end Facts. of episode one. Not not much fighting, but not a lot of gore. Well, they were, the woman's head mm-hmm. exploded. Oh, and also Homelander, you know, Smacking that blind dude's ears or whatever. Oh yeah, but I thought that, that was episode was two. I no, that was that was, episode... that was right off the bat because he was that was before he met up with John Carlo Esposito because like oh, the, yeah, the lady yeah, comes yeah. in and he's like, This is gonna be the new member of the seven, and he's like and he's like, Bitch, oh, yeah. you don't tell me who's gonna yeah, be the seven. I run... <laughs> Yo. 
<laughs> I was like, whoa. Oh, yeah, because that was when Homelander still thought he was running shit. He tells the lady who was the assistant of Madeline last season, like, yeah, you're in charge, bitch, but I run this. You let me know what's going on in them upper floors, and, and you're my mole, ho. I can get your ass fired. <laughs> she brings I can kill you. In, she brings in this daredevil ripoff, and Homelander's like, bro, you're, you're strong, brother. You got good powers, but what happens if I take out your fucking hearing? You turn it to a cripple again. Yo! Don't, I, don't want no, I don't want a cripple in seven. Or I'm like, yo. What a scene. What a fucking scene. But, that, but that's why Jean-Claude Aposito brings in Stormfront. And that's why they have that conversation later on. That's a good point. We did have to touch on that. But that, that's pretty much all that happens in episode one. Super solid episode to get us back into it. A lot of stuff foundation-wise. Huey and Starlight's mission to stop with Compound V. Uh, the tension between Homelander and Giancarlo Esposito. The tension between the boys and Billy Butcher. And that's all the stuff that... Oh, and the CIA. What does it have to do with the terrorists? And what does that have to do with... Uh, why the terrorists are coming to America. And what does that have to do with the CIA ladies mission peace? We also got to say that compound V has been put out throughout the world by Homelander. So he could get the military contracts. He brought yeah. compound he, V to he all different terrorists. Yeah. yeah he, he basically created super terrorists or super villains as he keeps wanting to say. And that's what Giancarlo Esposito fussed at him for as well. So that all happened in episode one. So we're going to figure out all of this later. But episode two starts, Huey confronts the butcher. Huey's just like, bro, fuck you, Billy Butcher. Fuck you. You left us to die. But we find out what happened to Butcher. And we find out all that went down with him, how he woke up one day in some random... uh Indiana. Some random place, went to the, the, the lunch to go write down his shit. And then we find out that the lady was seeing the board, seeing the screen. Oh, damn, you're wanted. All the boys are wanted. Of course we knew that, but we find out Butcher doesn't know really what happened to him, and he wrote down where his wife is. Because he's going to try and find his wife, which we'll yeah. get to more of that in episode three. Speaking but of his wife, Homelander starts chilling with his son. <laughs> he starts chilling with his son, and shit is where, weird. For you know, for in this initial stage of episode two, I'm thinking he, you know, Homelander's like, oh, you're just like me, you're just like me, blah blah. blah. And I'm like, is he though? Like, yeah. What, like, what's like, what's the deal with that? Like, I keep I, calling yeah. him. His, I keep, I keep wanting to call the son Kevin. His name is Ryan. So if yeah, I Ryan. if I say Kevin, that's who I'm talking about. He kind of looks it, like a home alone kid. That's probably he, he looks like Kevin, bro. Is to me, he's a Kevin. But yeah, Homelander keeps trying to tell his son, you're just like me, you're just like me, and his son's like. I don't know, man. I don't think I. There was like, he doesn't necessarily care. Like, he's just like, I mean, I'm living my life with my mom. Like, I'm pretty cool. Yeah, we're chilling. <laughs> oh, another thing in this episode A Train returns. A Train is out of the coma and is coming to yeah. blackmail Star. Before, and before we even get to that, you know, that the, the namesake of this episode is Girls Get It Done. We see Stormfront and Maeve and Starlight going on this press junket or whatever, where we see a lot of what Stormfront is like, I got this bad bitch mentality, like, I don't care about nothing, like, I'm gonna say whatever I want, whatever I feel like. But, like, that, goes, that, but that goes when the A-Train comes in and, like, tries to pester Starlight, and then Starlight has this conversation with Stormfront, because I wrote that down, Star where Stormfront's like, if, you, if you're trying to be this vault spy, like, fuck you, like, I'm gonna do what I want, 
I'm Stormfront. I used to look up to what you did, but you sold out, bitch. Like, in, in, in Starlight's like, you don't know me. You don't know my life story. You don't know what I've been through. And Stormfront's like, yeah, I do, Barbie. You're just some fucking knockoff shit. And so, you, like you said, it just shows more of Storm of Stormfront's personality. Uh, yeah, what else and, and uh, Maeve, like, real quick with her, she goes off to see, like, her, her ex-flame, and we kind of establish that her biggest concern in life is, like, I don't want anyone, uh, I don't want Homelander to know about anyone in my he's life because he'll kill, kill him. Yeah, he'll kill him because Homelander Which is crazy. Is crazy. Because he's he, wild. And he has, like, just moments where... He has people that he can't let go of it out of his life. Speaking of that, he can't let go. Homelander's conversation with Butcher's wife. Butcher's wife goes to the people in charge of at Vaught in this like security thing. He's taught she's talking to the doctor, and the doctor's like, we, we, Oh, don't worry. We about see it. the big wall or whatever. Yeah, she's we, we, she, actually we entrenched like a, in like some, a, some prison, prison camp or almost. Yeah, it's like this made-up neighborhood where everything's fake. And basically the doctor's like, Don't worry, Homelander will get over it. She goes to the house after Homelander's putting them to sleep, and he's like, you think I'm going to be over it in a couple months? Nah, bitch, that's my fucking son. What you want to do? You want me to Here's tell him everything. You, you want me to tell him that you're in a prison? You want me to tell him that y'all been living a lie? You want me to tell him that Burger King's not up in here? What you want to do? What do you want to do right now, bitch? He'll, he'll hate you, and I want him to hate you. And Butcher's wife can't do nothing but just rock out. Like, just got to let it be. Can't do nothing. Homelander's crazy. So uh, uh, so the next one I have is Kimiko. They confront her brother, and then they capture him. And Kimiko's conversation with her brother, the first and second, we find out that Kimiko can talk. We find out that they were, ex- that they were exposed and got treated to compound V. They tried to help their village, but they couldn't. And yeah. And they Homelander got, came and killed their village. Yeah. It came, killed their village. We found out that they, they, everybody got separated and we just see that Kimiko has a little more to her, but we also find out that Kimiko's brother is the terrorist that they're looking for. Butcher wants to shoot him and kill him. And Huey's like, nah, that's Kimiko's, uh, that's Kimiko's brother and mother's milk and Frenchie kind of support him in this. But Butcher hits Huey after Huey knocks away the shot. The guy, it leaves, and Butcher hits his ass, and it's like, damn, Butcher, you didn't have to hit him. Fuck. Yeah. And, and Huey gets hit, and that's pretty much how the episode's in um, with that one. Yeah, but they, they have things, him captured, I, though. They have the uh, other, guy other captured. Other things to mention in this episode, A-Train's still struggling with his repercussions. His addiction. Of his, of, a, of his addiction, and also going to the deep storyline. Oh, yeah. The deep is, talk about the deep. The deep is with the eagle. They're talking to the church lady or whatever. He takes the shrooms and then Pat Oswald plays his gills and they have that whole conversation. <laughs> and which, he's trying know, to accept himself. He's trying to, he's, if this is out of all redemption arcs, this is a great redemption because we're seeing this character get taken down and rebuilt up. But is he going to get rebuilt up in a good image or is he going to be in this image of the church? I feel like he's really kind of, he's, he's, I feel like he's a little bit of the brainwash, but he's also like coming to grips with like, why he was so shitty. Yeah. And like, I feel like, you know, him establishing like why he felt so inclined to like, you know, be a rapist and shit like that. Yeah. Um, was explained in this. Um, and also, you know, since we're about to get into episode three and the deep stuff is just very rare anyway, like he even has like, he's coming to grips with his gills and coming to accept it. And then there's a scene where Homelander's like, your gills are showing whatever. And I feel like he's like, Fuck you home later. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, care. I don't even care anymore. I like my gills. Okay, so episode three, Huey and the gang, they have the, the terrorist Kimiko's sis, uh, brother on this boat, and they're trying to take him to the CIA. Oh, well, 
we got to we, we skip something to episode two. Butcher goes to meet Grace. Episode two is a lot of exposition. Grace from last season, and they make a deal to where if Butcher gives uh, the terrorist, the terrorist. Then, he, then she will give the location of his wife. His wife yeah. But he lies to the gang and says it'll be their freedom, which it's not really going to be. Mother's Milk may be able to see his family, but that's about it. Butcher's just a no-good lying son of a bitch to the gang. And, and Grace even tells him, like, damn, you don't really care about your team. She says that in episode three. But that's just some, some small shit. All right, the episode starts off with Huey hitting the Butcher. Huey's like, nah, bitch. I'm getting at you. Uh, the world finds out about Compound B. Everybody finds huge. out it's huge. Thanks to Starlight because Gecko got her the Compound B. But was it because of? But was it okay? Was it because of them or was it another leak? I think it was another leak. I think it might have been another leak. But but you know, Star Starlight is like I did tell someone. Like you know, she she does she confirm like it, she did tell someone. She she so. thinks it's her. But I think it's either Giancarlo Esposito getting ahead of shit and dropping it himself or someone inside that company leaked it. I don't know if it's Starlight and Huey, and they think it's them. We'll find out later, but I do not believe it's them. I do not believe that for a fact. But Compound V gets uh, exploded out, and everybody's like, oh, shit, it wasn't by God. It was by these skeezy people doing all this shit. What? And Giancarlo Esposito denies everything. Uh, A-Train doesn't, uh, A-Train had a good conversation with Starlight when they find out it like this. A-Train tells him, look, you can fuck with anything, but don't fuck with the money. And I just was like, yes, that was a good speech. He was like, don't fuck with the money because they're going to fuck you up and they're going to fuck me up because I knew about it. A-Train's like trying to save his ass at this point. At this point, it's like no longer blackmail because Starlight was like, I'm going to tell him, I'm going to tell your business, bitch. And A-Train's like, all right, well, I guess we in this together, but I'm going to just keep telling you <laughs> what the fuck is going on. And your ass is fucking up right now. You're fucking up the money and you're someone who came from money. So you don't understand once someone was hungry gets money they not letting it go and that's that that was an amazing conversation um what else we got oh ryan explodes aka kevin so homelander's hanging out with his, his name son. is ryan his fucking name is kevin kevin's on the roof with homelander homelander's like jump bro you're good you're my son you can fly we're gods like, you're the only person who can understand me. I'm the only person that can understand you. I'm trying to make my family. I'm trying to do this right. Little nigga gets slapped off the building. It's the crowd. And I was just like, oh, shit. At first, I thought he was dead. I was like, oh, Because, no. like, I was so convinced at this point. I'm like, dude, like, does he even have the powers? Because, like, you know, we're finding out all this stuff with Compound B, and I'm like, well, like, if, if it's not, like, genetic or whatever, like, and he doesn't have any Compound B, like... <laughs> And he slaps that dude off the building like, what the hell? He could have just took after his mom. Like, he, he, like that didn't cross Homelander's thought. It was just like, like nah, I also had, like, in the back of my, my mind, son. I, was like, I was like, maybe it is somehow Butcher's son, but it doesn't. It is. Yeah, it's not. It's not. So Kevin, his, his mom's like, Kevin, are you okay? Fuck Ryan. You, Homelander. Yeah, Ryan, are you okay? And Ryan gets up. Ryan's like... And he and Homelander's like, let him go, let 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 him go, and touch his mom. Ryan's like, let go of my fucking mom. And it's like some bright burn shit. And Homelander's like, ooh, I like this. All right, bet you do have powers. Told you, told you so. And Ryan's like, I fucking hate you. You're not my dad. 
I hate you. You're not my dad. You're, you're not my dad. I'm nothing like you. Fuck you. I'm living with my mom. And then they they walk off and slam the door. And Homelander's like, damn, I thought y'all was my family. But that leads him to go back to the seven like, fuck Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's just like fuck him. Y'all like, are my family. Y'all are my family. We come <laughs> banding together, and then everyone's just like, "Fuck this guy out there." <laughs> Where have you been for the past three days? <laughs> oh shit! You think you think Maeve's your friend, but she's scared of you. <laughs> Maeve don't fuck with you. Starlight definitely don't fuck with you. Stormwatch don't fuck with you at all. Only person that maybe fuck with you is A Train and Black Noir. Maybe, but and the deep. So he goes back, finds out about the whole compound V shit, and is like, uh, it's like, damn. Uh, Homelander says fuck Vought to the seven, and they're like, okay, we're going to get this terrorist. We're going to do our job. Um, uh, the seven confront the deep. I thought that was a big thing where all yeah. Well, I mean, even the whole scene where, you know, uh, what uh, Karen Fukuhara's brother takes down the helicopter and I'm like, oh, well, all shit's about to break loose for sure. And then the deep comes in, like sends sharks and shit at them and then they have to escape. And that's when we finally get the scene from the trailer. Wait, wait, wait. pause, pause, pause. Kimiko's brother destroys the NYP helicopter. They escape. Huey's phone call with Starlight saying that he's she's the reason why he doesn't want to die. That's a big moment. Big. That's a big moment. I was like, this dude's a wuss. <laughs> That's just, Starlight's his second win. He's gonna be devastated when his she doesn't want him. Second win. Oh my god. <laughs> I was like, get a grip on yourself, homie. Watching get that a damn grip. Watching that damn video every day. <laughs> get a grip on yourself, dude. That was one of that was like the soberest, drunk, sad phone call to Max ever. <laughs> You're my second win. You're my second win, dude. I'm talking, I'm talking to her like she's a fart. Oh shit! Yeah, big moment. So, uh, so yeah, after the helicopter's destroyed, Grace is like, "Y'all gotta get out of there. People are coming." So the se- the deep sends all these uh, sharks after them. They end up getting on the boat. They crash through a whale. Huey's like, "I can't go on butcher." He's like, "I don't want to. Do <laughs> I can't do it. I have all this whale blood." And Mother's milk, like, bro, you coming? Oh, I'm not coming. We just both gonna get caught. And Huey's like, "Fuck it. I love you, Mother's milk. Gotta go." And I think Mother's milk's conversation with the butcher is good to rebuild Huey's relationship because he's like, that's your no, canary. That was Frenchies. No, Ooh. that was Mother's Milk. Okay. Mother's Milk tells him about, like, that's your canary. You can't let Huey die because that shows how far, you, how far you've how far you gone need, to the you bad You need the side. canary, to, yeah, to tell you how far you've gone. Yeah, exactly. With the analogy of the caves, yeah. Yeah, 1,000%. So that was a big conversation. The Seven confront the deep storm fronts like, let let her tell let uh Starlight tell this fucker off. Fuck you, rapist, which is which is true. Like, get your shit off. And then Homelander's like, look, brother, we got all these women in here. It's gonna be tough for you, but you keep working. We're gonna bring you back. You stay out here, we're gonna bring you back. I love you the deep, but we gotta go. So then Hydra Gills. Hi, yeah, Hydra Gills. <laughs> so then uh the Starlight confronts Huey, shoots him because Homelander's watching in the back, and Homelander's like, this fucking guy again. Kill him. Kill him right now. Butcher saves him. Says, hey, what's mm-hmm. up, fucker? Kimiko's, and he's like... He's Kimiko's like, brother saves him. Yeah, oh, yeah, Kimiko's brother. Well, Butcher comes out. 
It's but I, I believe it's Butcher's plan. He's like, and the homeowner's like, William, good to see you. I just left your wife. And he's like, fuck she, you. She makes good pancakes. And then Kimiko's brothers does his, his telekinesis, drops the building on him. Homelander's down. They save Huey. But as that happens, Stormfront comes in and, and hits uh, the guy out of the building. Kimiko chases after him. Uh, and then Stormfront fights Kimiko and Kimiko's brother, beating, whooping ass. Stormfront's just destroying property, killing black killing people. people. Like, killing black, black people. people. Let's like, be just, real. Like, just call just a spade a spade. Busted like, in their house. And they were like, ah, what are you doing? And she's like, I don't give a fuck about you. Zap, 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 zap. Everybody in the way. Zap, busting through shit. Just killing Dude walking people. down the stairs. Zap. Zap. Get out of my fucking way. I'm stormwatching. I'm just, I'm just busting people up with my Shazam powers. They go up to the top, and she's like, she's like, fuck you. Kids Kimiko to the side, rips off Kimiko's brother's hands, and was like, yeah, that's another dead yellow man. And I was like, whoa! Whoa! Stormfront's a racist. And we find out that this lady, she's not... Look, I'm not going to say she got racial tendencies. I'm going to just straight up. She she might be a little racist. Like, straight That's up. A little. <laughs> yeah. I, not, I haven't seen nothing that <laughs> gives her any sort of inclination that she ain't just full blown. Yeah, no, for sure. So her friend is, is lying on the outside. So she ends up killing all those innocent people, kills that guy. But Kimiko escapes with the boys, and they hold this big con- press conference where Homelander's not in the front. Homelander didn't get the kill, so he doesn't get the press conference. Stormfront does. This is kind of what John Carlo Esposito wants. Stormfront is brought up talking like, oh, I'm here to help all these beautiful people Act when she actually caused all this damage. And Homelander's just looking at her with her speech like, this bitch gonna be a problem. Not only do I have to deal with John Carlo, but I gotta deal with this bitch. This is gonna be an issue. So I wrote down Stormfront, uh, Stormfront versus Homelander, Stormfront versus Kimiko, because both are just like, Giving her big eyes and Karen Fukuhara's like, I'm gonna kick this I'm bitch's kill. ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna kill this bitch. And Homelander's like, I'm gonna have to kill this bitch. So every, every Storm, Stormfront has bullseyes on her left and right. But that's pretty much all that happens, man. Yeah, I'm interested to see some of the potential battles Homelander versus Jean-Claude Esposito, Homelander versus Stormfront, Homelander versus Billy Butcher. We got the Starlight in a Huey relationship. We got uh, Kimiko versus Stormfront. We got what's going to happen with Maeve and her relationship. How does the CIA and Grace and Mallory tie up all these loose ends with the terrorists? A lot of questions that we got asked. And then what's going to happen with Frenchies and Mother's Milk? How do they play into this season? What's up with the deep in the church? Like, how does the church play into all of this? A lot of questions that need to be answered, but I'm excited. The Boys season two, sure. after watching episode three and seeing uh, what was the last thing we saw after after that big stormfront battle, it was just like, yeah. yo, I need more, and it's gonna be one. Yeah, the week. last thing we saw was Karen Fukuhara looking at the TV like, I'm gonna kill this. Hoe. Yeah, man, I, mean, <laughs> I need more. I need more from the boys. But that was an amazing first three episodes. I cannot wait. We got it week to week, so it'll be one episode a week until the end where we get another three drop. So it's going to be a long season, but I'll not even to the end. It's just week to week the whole way. So September 11th, September 18th, September 25th, October 2nd, October 9th. Damn. October 9th. They're not giving like two. I thought they was doing like two. Damn. All right, bet. Whatever. Sucks that the boys are doing this, but I get it. Amazon's trying to 
uh, maximize viewership and maximize people on their streaming service. I understand. And you can tell because they got the shit plastered everywhere on their home screen. So I get and on IMDb it. too. Yeah, so I get it. But this season, incredible. Glad to have the boys back. My a lot, some things that like I tweeted, like I said, uh Kevin, aka Ryan, thought face. What's up with him? Hmm. Stormfront racist, but that's a bad SOB. Gotta see what's up with her next season. Uh Karen Fukuhara. She was the person who impressed me the most in these first three episodes with Stormfront being second. I thought everything they did with Kimiko expanded her character from season one because in season one she just didn't talk and sat she's, in the corner yeah. and just curled. But now she's a mystery. She, yeah, now she has personality. Now we know about her brother. We know about her backstory. I thought she had an impeccable performance. I thought Homelander was phenomenal. Everything with him was was great. I thought Giancarlo had uh, intrigue, but I need more from him. I thought Billy Butcher was as, as great as he was. I need more from him as well. I thought he did a good job just getting back into the swing of things. But the stars for me of the, these first three is Karen Fukuhara, number one, Stormwatch, Stormfront, number two, and Homelander, number three. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Um, you know, I'd even throw a little bit of Billy Butcher in there just because he's just a badass. He, he killed um, it. I just need more. I just need something. I just need a little more because I know he's going to have an episode later where it touches me. And it's like, damn, Billy killed it. But I just, I, out of this, it was just like, he wasn't the forefront. Like, for some reason, I feel like he's going to have, like, some kind of confrontation with Homelander, but I just don't know how that's going to work because he has no power. So it's just like, yeah, he, they might give him compound V, though. Maybe. I feel like at some point, one of them's going to take it, whether it's Huey or... Not Huey. Not, somebody's going to get it. Yeah, I'd I, say it yeah, got to be the Butcher. It's going to either be Butcher or Huey because Mother's Milk and Frenchie aren't going to get it. So it's going to be one of them. We're going to see how that goes, but... Very, very good season. Let's jump to the best movie of the year. Let's jump to the best movie of the year. We and now have. Even, a- and how do you even tackle talking about this? Because it's one of it's. I wouldn't say it's a giant mind fuck. But Full spoilers. Full but it, spoilers. But it's definitely. Uh, I can see where people could find it a little bit hard to hard to follow at times, like especially near the end. Uh, and it does it does fire quickly. Like, I will say, like, once you get, once the movie starts, it's like, okay, bam, 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 bam. You got to pay attention. Like, I'm sorry. pay attention, yeah. Don't go to the bathroom. Pay attention. Because I followed the movie Don't look at your phone. Yeah, don't, no. Pay the fuck attention. Now, granted, my one complaint, but this, me and my girlfriend realized it's because the movie is inverted. The sound is is messed up in some parts to where you don't understand. But I think that's done intentionally. But other than that, that's all I got to say. This movie was great. To me, just looking at from just the outside perspectives of it before we talk about the movie itself, I think this movie is one of Christopher Nolan's best. I, I, I think it's better than Dunkirk. I like it more than Inception. I like it, honestly, more than Interstellar. I think this movie is in the echelon of Christopher Nolan movies like The Dark Knight, The Prestige, and Memento. I think, th- I think those three, along with... Tenet are his four best movies. And then under that, you can start talking about Interstellar, Inception, and whatever else you want to throw. But this movie takes everything, to me, this movie takes everything he's learned from time displacement and linear storytelling from which we saw in Memento and Inception. It takes that and kind of tightens it. 
It takes the action directing that he learned from doing comic book films and it tightens it. Honestly, the fucking, some of the scenes in here were better than the Dark Knight action scenes. He yeah, I told you it. straight up, the kitchen fight scene that he does felt very Batman-esque, even with the movements of that JDW was putting on. The opening scene with the... It, you, it, do you know how the Batman starts with a robbery? This kind of yeah. almost is very similar to that opening scene, but it's more bombastic. It's more huge. It's more blockbuster cinema. It's just what he does in this movie, he takes everything he's learned and he maximizes it to its fullest degree. Every He, he cranks the knob to 10 and we don't leave 10. We never turn it down to nine. We never turn it down in below 10. It's at 10 the whole time. To understand this story, we have to say two things. This movie is told in a non-linear function. From what we see, we go from point A to point B, but inside on the way from point A to point B, things happen that have already happened by the time we see them. They've happened already, but we don't get to know they've happened until we get to the end. That's part one. The entire story, the mission is on, is told from our perspective from start to finish. However, when we get to the end, we find out that this mission starts John David Washington on his overall mission, thus getting him to start the mission that he just did. So without John David Washington going through all of this, he would not find out his place in the world, thus sending him back in time to make sure he was able to do everything he just did. So those are two things we got to set up from jump showing that he's not telling a linear story. It's, it's a, this chunk in a circle around this chunk. None of that's linear. So I hope that didn't take you out of it. Are, are you with me still? <laughs> oh, I'm with you. I know exactly what you're talking about, but uh, I just, I, I just hopefully had... the listeners are with you. Cause I mean, it, it, that, you know, that's explains pretty much like what the whole scenario of, of thing is. It's, you know, you get, you go through the earlier scenes and like things happen. You're like, okay, well, you know, this, this, and this. And then like, once you get to the end, you're like, oh, well now I've seen it all happen. Because and the it, stuff that happens in the end, it was what happened in the beginning. And it's just like, you back and forth, back and forth. And the reason kinda, why is because of time travel. This movie on the outset is a spy movie that utilizes time travel as the main power. So the movie starts off. We get the opening badass scene where John David Washington is trying to get some information from this guy and extract someone from this robbery gone bad. The, uh, the, the robbers end up capturing him. He ends up taking a cyanide pill, and we think he's dead. The movie starts tinning. But turns out that the CIA doesn't give their operative cyanide pills. No, they give them coma pills that put them in a coma that makes the people think that they're dead. Thus, the CIA can reclaim them, then wake up. John David Washington is no longer a part of the CIA. He operates on an outside plane because he's dead. He works on kind of his own accord, but still for the mission. He gets one word, tenant, and he gets told to go look for that. He ends up going to this lady who explains to him what it is and about inversion and everything. This is where it kind of felt like James Bond to me, where it was like... Yeah, he went go meet Q. Went to go meet Q and learn about uh, what what all he needs to know and like how to catch inverted bullets and yep. what inversion is and all and of that. And just giving him his 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 layout for what he needs to do. So he learns that invert. I'm not about to explain inversion, but it's just it's time travel. You go back and you can be normal, but inversion when you travel back, you are inverted 
and you have yeah. to wear this mask. If not, you can't breathe. I'm not explaining inversion. Yeah, and just go fucking watch it. <laughs> well, another thing about it is like inversion is something that someone created way into the future, but it's has, sent back through time travel. Has been sent back through time because inversion is just, uh, just like yeah. That, that at first, you're, at first you're just like, what the heck? I mean, like you know. You just got to accept How it. We, it's, it's, it's one of those things in a movie where you just accept it. it. It's just the laws of the movie. Don't question it. So The next thing, I guess, you, you get him in our pad meeting. Yeah, he goes meet Neil for the first time, who is his, his liaison to get him to India. We end up getting that badass bungee scene where they run up of the building to go meet the arms dealer of India. He thinks it's this man, but it turns out it's this woman. The woman tells him they discuss tenant and everything. They, they talk about how it's the next world power we find out that the lady's bringing it back in time and there's this there's this one guy who knows what it is whatever and she's trying to get a meet with him and she's like you can't get a meet with him directly but you can maybe try through his wife thus meeting i think her name is katherine dinbecky i think that's her name what's the what's the actress's name or katie dinbecky i think that's her name. yeah i'm, I'm about to find out but, but they, yeah so it's kenneth Branagh's wife yeah it's kenneth Branagh, who is elizabeth debicki that's what it yeah, is. Yeah, played by Elizabeth Bickey. Her yes. name is Kat in the in the in the, uh, in the movie. In okay. the movie. So he's, he's he's going to see Elizabeth Debicki. We find out that Elizabeth Debicki is held hostage by this big time boss CEO of the world, and she's and because she tried to steal a sell him a photo that was fake and then he she was going to keep the real one to maybe barter to get her son back but the man found out all of this and was holding her son hostage and was like if you want to see him you better do what i say and then so uh john david washington's learning all this and Kenneth brought us in his men's after and we get the badass fight scene in the kitchen where john david washington beats his ass uh catherine or not catherine uh debicki is like oh shit he whoops his ass elizabeth debicki's like oh damn okay bet this guy's actually about his business. She sets up a meet for like the, oh, well, no. She tells him to go steal the, the painting from the husband's bunker. Neil, a.k.a. Rob Pat and John David Washington set up a plan to go steal it. The plan goes away when these guys come in and mess up everything and like there's explosions and the, the room doesn't. That's when, that's where you get the scene from the trailer where he's like, yeah, I want to hijack a plane, but yeah. I, it's not like, what you think? I am. You know. Yeah, and so exactly. They, and that's why you get the scene like, with the bullets in the wall, and it's like, oh shit, it hasn't happened yet. Inversion. So that's where we meet some of our first inverted fights, where John David Washington's fighting these this these inverted people who, at the time, it seems like they're trying to stop them. But when we get to the end, it'll mean something else. But just remember that that this happens. They fail in getting the picture, but. The reason, the fact that they did this gets the uh, attention of Kenneth Branagh, who wants to meet with John David Washington. John David Washington then meets with him. He, he wants to kill him at first, but then he tells him about how he can get him plutonium. And thus, they go on this boat, have this boat day with with uh, Catherine DeBecky and, and them. And it's like tension because John David Washington wants to bang her, or at least she wants to bang him. And then Kenneth Branagh's and like, he's also no like, one can have my wife. <laughs> And he also gets caught, like, trying to spy on them, what they're doing or whatever. Yeah. And, that's and they beat his like ass. Yeah. And they're like, don't drop the plutonium here. You better not fuck it up. So Neil and him go try to steal the plutonium. 
Turns out it's not really plutonium. It's some some other shit for the inversion bomb. Which- and that's where you get the, the whole car sequence, which, which was highly put into the trailers and was a very, very cool scene. Yep. Um, and- where, like, you know, they're doing their thing or whatever in, like, normal time, and then they see, like, the, the flipped car, and they're like, oh, well, here comes inversion shit. Yeah, and, and starts so- just fucking with them. They, uh, Ken Braun ends up taking the, the uh, package from them because he threatens to kill... Catherine Debicki and he gives it up and he's Neil's like fuck that wasn't plutonium you gave him what he needed he's like fuck this he goes to try to save him but then he gets captured uh Kenneth Braun is like holding him hostage like I'm gonna kill this bitch if you don't tell me what you know and he's like I don't know what blah 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 he ends up shooting her and he but he tells her like somewhere he tells him some fake place he shoots her anyway uh Kenneth Braun goes back in time to go try to get the, go to the place where he told them the artifact was. All of a sudden, Aaron Taylor Johnson uh, appears with Robert Pattinson, and they're like, "Yo, we've been working on this. Don't worry about it." And Robert and uh, John David Walsh is like, "You been knowing about this bitch? What the fuck? Why did like, you? Who tell are me? you?" Like- and Neil's like, "Don't worry about it. I can't tell you, bro. Like, I trust me. I got your best interest at heart." And that's all Neil can say. He's like, "I tell you after." The inversion yeah. machine or whatever, and go through that whole deal to save and, you know. to save Catherine Debicki, and but and they they end up saving her. But in the process of saving her, we find out that earlier scene where they were going to steal the painting, it was them going there to save Catherine Debicki, and John David Washington ends up fighting himself, and and Neil who Neil, finds out that it. That it was John David Washington going back in time. Neil find we think that this is Neil's first time seeing him doing this. We come to find out later that that wasn't, but Neil knew that they went back in time. Thus, he let them go. So that's something. John David Washington almost killed himself, and he realizes, damn, I almost killed myself. Crazy. So they end up saving Catherine Debicki, and they end up getting go, having a plan because they find out that uh, Kenneth Branagh is trying to kill himself, thus stopping the world and thus causing this inversion bomb to go off, thus ending reality because he has pancreatic cancer. And if he's going to die, he's going to take everybody else out with him. And the mission is to stop him from dropping this bomb in a cavern, thus setting off the inversion. Aaron Taylor Johnson has a squad. Robert Pattinson has a squad, but inside of Aaron Taylor Johnson, one's not inverted. Yeah. One, one, one is just going back in time. The other one is going back in time through inversion. Uh, John David Washington and Aaron Taylor Johnson are have like the splinter cell mission to go stop the bomb person. They're going in there, fighting them, fighting them, kicking ass. But Robert Pattinson has to save him from inversion, thus ending his life. Because if he didn't save them, the world would have ended. And Catherine Debicki got back at Kenneth Branagh, shot him. Movie ends pretty much with the final scene where they're going out, they have the artifacts, and Aaron Taylor Johnson's like, if I see any of y'all again, I'm going to kill y'all. And Robert Pattinson's like, look, bro, you take this. I got to go make sure all this inversion shit happens the right way so none of us die. But John David Washington's like, but bro, if you do that, you're going to die, and I'll never get to see you again, and you never told me who you work for. And then Neil tells him, well, I worked for you. And he was like, wait, what? You end up going back in time to start the mission. You're the guy who sent me to find you. And we have a bunch more missions in the past because you have to become the person that sent me. But for that to happen, you have to go back in time and do more missions to set this up to where this can take place. So this mission can take place. And he's like, 
what? We got more missions, me, you, me and you, Neil? And it's like, yes, give me more tenant. So he goes back in time. Uh, well, no, he's in the future now or whatever. And the Indian lady is trying to go kill Elizabeth Debicki to tie up all the loose ends. And Elizabeth Debicki calls uh, John David Washington. John David Washington is at the scene. He ends up killing the Indian lady, but he can't get with Elizabeth Debicki because love is not in his cards. He has a job to do to go find Neil in the past and to set him on their missions to stop these artifacts from coming into the hands of certain individuals. That's pretty much the best, like, two-minute synopsis someone could give. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to... <laughs> and there's so much stuff that happens that. inside of that. Like, yes. the airplane yeah. scene for the first time going through is amazing, but the airplane scene through the inversion side of things is just as crazy as not crazier. Exactly. The you kitchen know, it, scene that you talked about it was a great one that I liked. The bungee jump scene where they get... Bro, when they got slingshot in the air, I was like, yo, no, I don't know if I could go through this. And then they just drop. I was like, both of you niggas Batman? Like, what are we doing? Like, y'all, y'all just doing Batman shit. <laughs> yeah, for real. I mean, if if anyone had questions about Robert Pattinson as what he is as an actor, like, this is the movie that you got to see, you know, because not a lot of people have seen Good Time. But this is like, you know, his his role of showing that I'm a serious actor, take me seriously. John David Washington, very similar. You know, Black Klansman was a big time movie, but this is even bigger. This shows he can not um, only do indies, but blockbusters. And he's a I feel big like, man. You know, I feel like this really highlighted a bunch of actors and actresses that we have seen in other things before. Like Himesh Patel has a has small-ish, big-ish role in this. I like uh, Catherine Debicki. You know, yeah, Elizabeth Debicki, we've oh, known her from, from uh, she played in The Great Gatsby and uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And the crazy um, thing is, you know, as much as I love Robert Pattinson and John David Washington, if you ask me who won this movie, I, I want to say John David, but part, a part of me wants to say Kenneth Branagh. This was Kenneth Branagh's best performance, I think, I've seen. Well, yeah, because, I mean, what Kenneth Branagh has put out a lot has been a lot of, like, uh, would you gonna say cheese? I, w- I wouldn't say cheese necessarily because I mean I feel like his role in Harry Potter is good because he plays the character to a T as it is represented in the book, mm-hmm. but it is very cheesy of a character. And then you got his character in like the um, the the Orient oh, Express, Express stuff, yeah. which is like complete cheese ball. And in Thor, cheesy. Yes, and, but I, I just don't want to like hate on him too much because like he's you know, a good actor. He is a good actor. I mean. I love him in Wild Wild West, which I guess a lot of people <laughs> would say is cheesy. He was um, good I Dunkirk. love him in Much Ado About Nothing. He's great in Dunkirk. Uh, he, but this, but he this was is good something in different. This is something different. They give him a... I feel like this is probably the most meat on the bones that he's gotten to act. Like, I feel like this is the most he could, he could sink his teeth into, man. It was just... He killed it. He was so menacing and, and vicious in this movie. It was just... It was great. But John David Washington... Killed it, killed it, killed it. Robert Pattinson killed it. Uh, who won the movie? I'm going to go with John David, but Kenneth Braun, a close, close second. Um, shit, you could, someone could say Christopher Nolan won by doing a James Bond that's not in the James Bond universe doing his own, where he set it up to where we could get more stories with the protagonist, a.k.a. John David Washington. We should. We definitely we should. should. Like, he should definitely make a Tenant 2. I don't know if that's going to be his next movie, but I want a Tenant 2 before John David Washington gets too old to do this. 
It may out, have of any, out of anything he's done that's not Batman, like, I feel like this is one that's most deserving of a sequel. Yep. And, like, obviously they opened it up for that. Um, I don't I think he puts like, that line in there without knowing that he wants to do another one of these. And I feel like this could be really great for JDW's career. Like, this is a solid character that he's created. You know, this is, you know, you're... It's a blockbuster. Your, your spy, sci-fi... It's a blockbuster event film, but at the same time, it's a prestige film because he's with this big name director. You know, think, thinking about how we're going to view this movie in a year that's been very crazy for movies. I mean, this could be the one that wins Best all the feature. awards. And, and, and we talked about this off air. I could see Nolan winning Best Picture or Director. Director. But I don't see Robert Pattinson or John David Washington winning for Best Actor. Or supporting. The one that I do see winning is Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. Kenneth Branagh has a shot at it. Now, I can see John David being nominated, but I don't think he wins for this. No. It's hard to tell at the moment, like, who would win for that because we just got, like, we got to see some more acting performances. Yeah. And I do feel like some of the acting that was done in The Gentleman was pretty great but that's another supporting thing again where i feel yeah. like colin farrell did like a terrific supporting job and i wouldn't give matthew mcconaughey an oscar no so not for that i mean then that's no, my thing no. i can't give it to robert and i can't give it to john kenneth is the one who might get it because he actually whereas john and robert relied more on their physical acting and their action kenneth was all just imposing and making you believe it he didn't have sure. much physical action he was actually acting, acting. Not saying that the other two weren't, because they 1,000% were, but it, it was just different. Also, yeah, we got I've, the little Michael Caine shout-out in the beginning. Yeah. Michael Caine has to be in a Christopher Nolan movie. Loved it. He's basically just Alfred, but just giving out the mission. <laughs> Pretty much. One, one know, of his meet-alongs. I feel like, you know, this movie, once people get a chance to see it, and I hope people do um, while while it's still in theaters, I hope that what the theaters do is they almost keep it around and do showings for it almost all year. Yeah. Because, like, not a lot of people are going to get around to seeing it right away. I'm going to see it again this week. I got to. I wanted to see it again before we had before we did this pod, but there was just no way I got to with everything we had to watch. But I'm going to see it again. I, I have to. It was my girlfriend was like, why would you go see that long of a movie again? I was like, because there's so much more I could take from it that I missed. Yeah, I mean, the first time you go through it, you're like, and I thought oh, I wait, followed like, it pretty isn't... well. Yeah, I mean, like when I got out of it, I was like, oh, man, I don't know if I even caught all of it. Like, yeah. And, <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. I know there's stuff that I missed and like I thought I followed it pretty well. So I definitely want to go see it again. Like the moment where early in the movie, when he's when this when cat when uh, Elizabeth Debicki's talking about how much she hates her husband and she's leaving on a boat and she sees a woman dive off and she's like this scoundrel had a woman on the boat the whole time cheating on me and that led oh, to- and also jealous of her and her freedom jealous of her and her freedom it turns out that that woman was her after she killed her husband crazy shit it's just like there's so much little shit that happened everything that happens in the beginning happens for a purpose and we it comes back and somewhere or another in the end. Yeah, I mean, like, this movie uh, was like a godsend in a year where we hadn't had Needed you know, a, lot of, a lot of movies. And, I mean, it's Needed when we're thinking about, like, the overall rating of this, like, it's, it's as close to 
a 10 as we can possibly get. <laughs> yeah, like, man, it's, it's like, high. Like, it's high. It's like, you know, I would put it at like a 9.5 if I'm being generous of just like not trying to oversell it. That And that's like, my thing. It's like, I don't want to overhype it, but at the same time, it has to be overhyped because it's so good. But also, I don't want to... And that's why I'm glad I went and see New Mutants because if this would have been the first movie I saw out of theaters, I might have been like, Jesus, this is the best movie fucking ever. But because like, I already had that movie theater experience, it was kind of tapered. But seeing a movie like this in theaters, need, I needed this because this was an amazing movie that in a time where you don't get to go to movies, it was just needed. This... There's no way you give this movie anything under a 9.5. 9.5 is the lowest I can go. I really want to go 9.8, like, but I need to see it again, though. So I'm going to just go 9.5 for now, but this movie's anywhere from a 9.5 to a 10. You know, one of the things we talk about whenever we're rating these things is like a rewatchability factor, and you're mentioning like right now how you really want to see it again. It's one that I also really want to see again, and like more so than like a movie that Christopher Nolan's done like Interstellar. Yeah. Like I feel like it's a movie that I can feel like I can revisit over and over again. But I think and it's like, due to the fact where Interstellar has a lot of lull points and a lot of talking where this is just go, 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 go constantly. Like, yeah, you have some slow points, but he keeps the majority of the slow points in this movie in the beginning where he has to explain things. Once he's done explaining, it's just it's just pedal to the metal. Pretty much. And I mean, even the explaining, it goes pretty fast paced. Yep. So there's no law to me. There's no low points once you meet Robert Pattinson. The only one I can say is after they steal the plutonium and when he's about to get captured by Kenneth Branagh. But even then, that's very, very important. Maybe some of the boat stuff, but I thought the boats, like when the first time he meets Kenneth Branagh, you could maybe say that's slow, but but that's being nitpicky. Still pretty intense. Exactly. so yeah, I mean, like we got this rated pretty high. I mean, it's it's one of those things where you got to see it in a movie theater. Yeah, you do. Um, I understand why they didn't want to put it on VOD. I needed to see this in yeah. theaters with the theater sound. Like watching this for the first time at my house, I don't know if it would have impacted me as hard. Yeah, one thing I will mention: you mentioned like the sound, and you know, subtitles would help though at my house. Well, you know, and and you know, the kind of tying this into all the things we watch. One thing I liked about Lovecraft Country this week is they had like all these like hip hop element songs that like got me hyped for certain things. Like I feel like hip hop is almost the vibe of like Christina Braithwaite. Yeah. Like she's just like, I bitch better have my money. Like, I'm just like, that stuff kind of got me hyped. But I like with Travis Tenet, Scott had a tenant. I, I like that Travis Scott had a tenant with the song. Yes, I thought that that was song hype. at the end was hype. Like I was, I listened to it on like, the way oh. home. I was like, ooh, that song is John, dope. Travis John Scott. Davis, John Davis about to go on another mission. Okay, let's go. I'm, I'm ready. The <laughs> new James com- Bond. But when it comes to tenant, I feel like, you know, they're not going to win any awards for s- sound or anything like but that. Ludwig Borson did his shit. But I think. But I think they should be considered because, you know, it was scored really well. They didn't have any sort of musical elements. Like, even in a James Bond, you have, like, you know... The themes. Well, even, like, pop songs or, like, songs that are, like, come into it. The Bond song, yeah. The Bond song. But this was just, like... Like, it was just, like, all these, like, sound effects and noises that, like... Ludwig Gorsen, man. The Mandalorian's uh, composer. Yeah, which also... The Mandalorian and Creed. Oh, oh, I meant to say this. This movie, speaking of The Mandalorian, I know this movie is a, 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 a spy thriller with sci-fi, but I'd be remiss to not see this movie's a Western. At 
its core, this movie is, is influenced by Sergio, Sergio Leone's Man With No Name trilogy. That's why I think we're going to get more because it's going to be more adventures of the man with no name, a.k.a. the protagonist. And at the end, he even paid homage to the good, the bad, and the ugly with our Mexican standoff between Aaron Taylor Johnson, Robert Pattinson, and John David Washington. Granted, it was a happy standoff, but it was a standoff nonetheless. And you look at it, this was an adventure to where at its core, he was to save, he was trying to save the day, but at its core, he was trying to save the damsel in distress from the evil tyrant of her husband, which happens in Sergio Leone's movies. So it's just very interesting. A lot of, I think he picks and chooses from the different uh, fistful of dollars, uh, a few dollars more in the good, the bad, the ugly. I think he pulls from all three of those. But to me, yes, this is a spy movie, but I think it's a Western in disguise as a spy movie because there's no way you can't tell me the protagonist is not, is not inspired by the man with no name. Definitely. And, you know, like we said before, like, you know, I think this is really going to start off this John David Washington career. Like, you know, you talked about how he did his stuff in Ballers and, you know, we've mentioned him as like the up and coming guys. And I was trying to get out of the shadow of his father and be an actor. He's I feel like this, man. this was it. Like, I yeah. feel like this was it. Like, you know, we black Canadians, when was the introduction? And we're like, I don't oh, see him as Denzel. I don't see him as Denzel's son anymore. I see him as I don't, John David. I, even when I look at him, I'm just like, I don't even see like Denzel when I look at him. Like, nope. I just like, I see John David Washington. So like, he's I my favorite like he's, actor right now. Him and him and Robert Pattinson. I told you as soon as we left, literally, as soon as we left the movie, I was like, these two dudes are my favorite. Like, Adam Driver's a third. Like, Adam Driver got knocked down to three because of these two guys. I love it. This is is my James Bond franchise. Honestly, he can give me however many more movies they want to give me in this world with the protagonist. Granted, I hope it's only three total. Tenant one, two, and three to where it stays true to how The Man With No Name was only three movies. I think because I feel that this is a Western at its core, I feel like it shouldn't be more than three. But I'm here for all three of them. I'm I'm ready for the next two. Now, I really think that they should go ahead and and make some some, some stamps on that. Be like, okay, we are going to do another one. Like, I feel yeah. like they should just go out and say that now. And, like, the one one thing I've, I feel like we, was worth noting because we put it such high reviews, the reviews I'm seeing, like, on the internet are not as strong, which I feel like is just, like, hate or something like that. But, I mean, like, they, got, they gave it, like, IMDb gives a 7.9, which I round up to 8. And then Metascore has it at 70. Some people, like, I, I, hate the, I hate the argument of they don't understand it. I don't understand how you don't understand this movie. Like... What do you want to understand? How inversion works? Like you're not like that. That's 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 expecting too much to understand how that works. But there, people said they don't understand the flow of the uh, of the movie, and I'm like, are we? I feel sure? like it flows pretty pretty obviously. That's what I'm saying. Like I do, I don't know. I feel like I feel like I they mean, were just hating. Yeah, you, know, you could talk about like any other movie that has. That shows you the end in the beginning and then ties it back Shit. in at the end. I mean, Roger Ebert's website. Same as anything like that. I, I trust Ebert, even though Ebert's not writing anymore, rest in peace. It's his website and the people that work for him. But Roger Ebert and him gave it a three out of four, and that's good. That's good for Ebert. That's huge. So, like, I'm trusting Ebert. Uh, some other people that I, I respect gave it high. 
high scores, but like to me, I feel like there was this hate for this movie that Christopher Nolan was trying to make people go to the movies during COVID. And I feel like that's some of the yeah. reasons why I got bad reviews, especially yeah. when people like Scott Derrickson coming out like, don't go support this movie, don't go watch it. It's like, bro, like, like I said last week, if people are going out to eat, you're not going to stop me from going to see a fucking movie, especially since the movie, when, I, when this time they had people in it, Schubert, there was, we were separated by three to four seats. Like, I was nowhere I mean, was near like, anybody. I was in a giant theater, and there was, like, seven people in there. So yeah. I, was, there was, I was nowhere near anybody. Me and my girlfriend sat, sat comfortably. And then they cleaned it immediately after. So, like, they, a lot of people are just hating on this movie. But I think... And Scott Derrickson, no one wants to see your shit anyway. <laughs> exactly. I think, in, I think in a couple of years, once all the COVID dust settles, I think this movie will be remembered as... Christopher Nolan's most underrated film when it's it's interesting because it's one of his best but it's going to be considered underrated because not a lot of people saw it it was during the time of COVID it got a lot of bad not a lot of it got a lot of medium to high reviews between lukewarm to warm and then I think once people sit with it and get to understand it and we maybe get the next one it's going to be like whoa this was one of his best movies I mean, I'm looking at his catalog right now of director. I mean, Memento, I haven't seen, so I can't really base anything off That's that. That's hot for me. You prestige don't get, I have. You don't, get, you don't get this movie without Memento. That's where he starts his, his non-linear storytelling. But I mean, like... It's Memento and Dark Knight. Those are the only ones that I have above this movie. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. So, so, I mean, like, and I feel like Christopher Nolan is one of the the event guys right now, too. Like, he's the guy that, you know, Christopher Nolan's putting out a movie. I got to go see that one. He, it's him, Tarantino, Scorsese, and I think Denis Villeneuve after Dune will be in that list. Even uh, though yeah. I, even though I, mean, I there's, put, there's some guys that you can throw in there in an argument, but I mean, like, then you look in their catalog and you're like, oh, well, they have put up some stinkers. Like, when you look at Nolan's catalog, for the most part, like everything he's put out has been pretty and, solid. And that's why you say he's with Tarantino and Scorsese, because it's like those dudes don't miss. And that same thing with Villeneuve. Villeneuve hasn't missed yet, in my opinion. If you look at Villeneuve's category or catalog, just since we're talking about this right now, Villeneuve, Villeneuve goes, hold on, let me just pull this up. Because I think, I think he's an interesting case study of like director, because I feel like we're in the Villeneuve-Nolan era. Like I feel like that's the era we're in. So Villeneuve has... Blade Runner 2049, Arrival, Sicario, Prisoners, Enemy, and some earlier fringe films. But when he comes to America, he goes Enemy, or, or he goes, yeah, he goes Enemy, Prisoners, Sicario, Arrival, Blade Runner, and then Dune. Those are so many films back to back with no misses. And I'll give you that. And look, if you it, enemy is probably the, the weakest one, but that was him getting to know himself. Prisoners phenomenal with Hugh Jackman and uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Sicario un- phenomenal and incredible. Arrival phenomenal and incredible, and then Blade Runner. Like it's Villeneuve and Nolan's era right now. Those are the two best acted. Like, and obviously Tarantino and Scorsese are putting out movies, but for like an era, this is their era. So I went and looked up just a list just because I was just wanting to think what other people were saying. And like the top 10 of this list that I have right now is Guillermo del Toro, which I can think that he's kind of up there at the moment. Um, the guy who did The Revenant, 
Um, I can't really pronounce his name. In, in Naratu. Uh, David Fincher. But Fincher's I feel like David Fincher... Fincher's moved to TV. Yeah, he's moved to TV. And I feel like a lot of like his great stuff was earlier. It was like... What was his most recent movie that he directed? It Gone was, Girl. Uh, that was amazing. <laughs> that was, that was, was really good. I mean, so you got, yeah, you had Gone Girl and then you had uh, The Social uh, Network. The Social Network and The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. And all of those which are. was his. probably the better of the other one. And fin- uh, man, that's what I'm saying. Fincher hasn't put out a movie since then. He's, he's in TV right now. Um, and then, then they have Denis Villeneuve, then they have Scorsese, then they have Alfonso Cuaron, which. Uh, which you could, I, I feel like they rate him a little bit higher. Maybe yeah, that's based on Roma horror, and horror films they're fans of. Um, but he did do the best Harry Potter, so I'll give him that one. But I didn't like Gravity that much. I didn't put Gravity. No, really high. fucking hate Gravity. Um, then they have Richard Richard Linklater, who you know did Boyhood. Uh, what other director credits do you have? Uh, he Those, did. That's not really our type of, you know. Before, you know, before midnight, before sunset, you know that that genre. Of did course, Suburbia. they have the, the Cohen Brothers. They don't have Cohen Brothers on this list necessarily, but I do believe that they could be thrown up in there. They, they do actually they have, don't even have the Cohen Brothers have, like in the top twenty-five. Do they have Paul but, Thomas Anderson? Uh, no, not in the top 10. But I, the other th- three that were in the top 10 are Spielberg, Tarantino, and Nolan. Nolan, number one. Okay. Interesting they don't have Paul Thomas Anderson. He's like a, a not an event film guy, but he's more of like a prestige, like indie film guy. But yeah, man, no, it, this is the Nolan Villeneuve era. And this movie solidifies that Nolan should have got Bond. They should have gave him Bond and they chose not to. I think Nolan would have made an incredible Bond, but I'm glad he didn't get Bond. So we got this. This is... This is this reminds me of Tarantino not getting a, uh, one of those martial art films and then him making Kill Bill, turn it into what he wanted. This is Nolan not getting James Bond and turn it. it people said him not getting Bond gave us Dark Knight, which is true in Batman. That is very much true. But this more so than anything is like, OK, I didn't get Bond, so I made my own spot film, which I think is better than Bond. Yeah, I find a list that has top Paul Thomas Anderson in the top ten, but yeah, that's just another thing. So, and the Coen Brothers. Solid week, man. Solid week this week. Yeah, it was a solid week. We had a lot of stuff to go over. It's not going to be so much the case in the following weeks, mainly because we had three episodes of the boys to go over in one episode. Yeah, we'll have you know, the was, boys Lovecraft. We'll have and one Avatar. episode of the boys, one episode of Lovecraft. We'll get into the avatars. Uh, the issue is that we're not going to get a lot of movies at the moment. Which, um, like I said earlier on in the episode, like come on, studios, let's start putting the, putting these things out because we could probably review Bill and Ted. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to go to the theater to watch it. Oh no, no, we can watch it at home. But yeah. but. That gives us time to do some run it backs, which now that the show is over, we got to run it back. Are we dropping that this week? Isn't that dropping this week? Well, I don't know if we're dropping it this week. I know that we're recording it this week. So oh, then, right. yeah. yeah. It's, it's, probably, it's either coming this week or early next. Yeah. Uh, the next run it back, we're reviewing Pulp Fiction. Myself, Schubert, and Ian Hawley, our editor, will be reviewing Pulp Fiction. Super, super excited about that. It's talking about nonlinear storytelling. Uh, if Christopher Nolan has taken the baton. He's taken it from one Quentin Tarantino, and this is one of his earlier um, adaptions of nonlinear storytelling. So I'm excited for that. But you can find out 
All the information on that and more at Bros You Think on Twitter or www.brosyouthink.com. Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube. We got a lot of YouTube content coming. You can follow me at LinBWT. Uh, be sure this upcoming Thursday to check out the most recent episode of the Bros You Think podcast. And if you're an anime fan, we got a lot of anime content on the YouTube this week as well. But other than that, I'm excited, man. This was a, this was this was the week we've been waiting for, and I think it lived up to the hype ten times fold. Like I think to say how excited I was for Tenant, and to say how it could have failed, and to say how it had so much expectations, and to say it lived up to the expectations, if not maybe punched through them, that's incredible. And to say how how high I held the boys in expectations, and after seeing Umbrella Academy. I was like, will the boys be better than season one? Or was season one like kind of them shooting their load? No, they burst through that ceiling as well. Both outlived their expectations. So this was, yeah. a, this was a great the, week for me. The boys have cemented their slot as the Friday show to watch now, uh, as Lovecraft has cemented their spot that they're the Sunday, Sunday night yeah. show to watch. So you know, we're going to continue to talk about those two shows because they're the event, the event TV shows at the moment. Um, and uh, Tenet is the film to see for anyone who enjoys movies. If you, you know, I'm not telling anyone that they should go risk their health or anything, but like, if you feel like you can go to a movie theater, you have look, to go see this it. movie. I'll say it. We both said it in our group chat after we were like, look, if we caught Corona after seeing Tenet, then like, it might've been worth it. Like, you know, like this, that movie was that good. Not like she was said, not telling you to go risk your health, but like that movie was incredible. But, yeah, but if you feel comfortable in your theater, because a lot, you know, the theaters are working really hard. I chatted up some people at the movie theater, and I'm like, you know, they're like, yeah, we're doing what we can. You know, they're opening later, doing less showings, yeah, you know, spreading it out, I'd keeping say, people out of there. So like, you know, they're doing their best. You know, buy your tickets beforehand. Don't deal with all that. Bring your, bring your, you know, maybe sneak your snacks. And you're done. Right. I'm not, I'm not telling you, but I'm telling you. <laughs> But uh, yeah, go go in and, and check out Tenant because it's it's gonna be worth it. It is great. Uh, but that ends up everything going for the week. Lyndon, you you plugged everything you do. Did you give your social media? I gave everything. I'm good to go, brother. All right. Well, you can catch me on Twitter and Instagram at issuer14 and check out everything going on with the network. Go uh, go on Netflix and all the other streaming sites. Check out all, all the stuff we've got going on that we've talked about in the previous episodes. Um, and make sure you watch out for the run it back we have coming up for Pulp Fiction and go check out if you haven't already the one we did about Goodfellas so for Lennon Burton my name is Adam Schubert this is the 101st episode of the Bros Who Binge podcast thank you for listening and as always stay safe out there and keep binging <laughs>